it's there there got to be an expectation coming out of the food blogging world that recipes should be free and so when those of us who started putting recipes behind a paywall which a cookbook is it's Mm -hmm. just a you know physical paywall analog paywall an analog paywall (laughs) right and and that but even if you have, you know, a newsletter that you ask people to subscribe to, and obviously with the New York Times, I love the recipe section. I'm happy to pay minimally for it. Mm-hmm. But early blogging days did create an expectation of free recipes, and it really pissed people off when they had to pay for them. Right. Or yeah. if you wouldn't just, you know, DM them through Instagram. People will say that to me all the time. Oh, what's the recipe for this thing that, you know, if I post my lunch or something, I'm like, I... If I wrote the recipe out, I would share it. Yeah, I'm not going to write yeah. it out just Manually for you into uh, DMs. Those are the same people that complain about there not being any good music anymore who also don't pay for any music. That's they right. just either yeah. illegally download it or they stream it yes. because they don't really care about the actual artist. They just want the art without having to care about the artist. Uh, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's like the recipe request is friends and family. Yeah. You know? Someone's like, give me that recipe. It's like, I don't know who you are. I have no right. <laughs> I'm not going to write this all down. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, see, that's an even better example because yeah. you're not officially a blogger, even though you're someone who shares a lot of your cooking yeah, and yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So if people are asking that of you, <laughs> that's even like the next level. I'm going to go to other people and ask them for their free recipes. Yeah, it, it is. But if it's someone I know, then I might say you know, uh, here are the broad strokes or I might have it because I do take intensive notes Okay, because I'm type A. So when I'm making a recipe, I want to track what I did and I do it by gram because I want to know if I want to modify anything in the future. Sometimes I can literally like rip it and and send it on over. But on occasion, I did something that's very detail oriented and I didn't. I was just kind of riffing. Yes. And I'm like, here are like 11 of the things that I used that I see or visible in this photo well i don't know man and i'm i'm kind of similar to you like i think you're you're better at that of of just going like completely off the rails but i'm i consider myself a cover song uh cook where i'll give you the song i'm covering because usually it's it's a recipe that i found somewhere that i was like oh that's interesting and then i do my own thing to it yeah so i'll just share like here's the base recipe I fucked around and added a little bit of this sure. and a little bit of that. Sure. I, I can't really mm. tell you what that is. Yep. I'll sometimes I'll take my own notes for that and I'll change the recipe as I go. But that's usually what I give people is like what, what the original what song was, was yeah. before I covered it because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the, that's the jumping off point. And I also, I want other people like set yourself free man. Uh, take this nice. and, and do, do what you want with it. You know, here's some bare bones. You'll have a really solid product if you do this, yes. but the more that you do this, the more that you'll start to tweak it towards what your palate says. Absolutely. And then that kind of helps. It helped me grow. And I'm hoping that helps other people grow. I have a theory that that's when people decide that they like cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there a lot of people like to cook from recipes, but that feels very involved because you have to shop specifically for that list. And, mm. you know, you're spending a lot of time looking at it and following the instructions and all of those things. And so there are people that enjoy following recipes, but the people that really love cooking are the ones who can let the recipes go and just start to riff on your own. Then people are in. And that's like the meal plans that I have written are kind of geared toward that, toward teaching people how to cook and start to riff on their own. Um, And I think it works. I think it converts Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Because it's a confidence thing. I mean, once you feel like you're good at something, then you like it, usually. I think there's room for, in effect, 
each of those flavors as well as a swirl. Because I was recently saying on the pod how I want to look at more recipes and try to get in the minds of the chefs who pen them sure. and try and do more of what they do without adulterating it. Because I went away from any recipe cooking for a really long time. Mm. But then I feel like I learned a lot less because yep. I stopped yeah. training. Yes, you weren't, in, you weren't in school. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's cool to be able to like take what someone's done and then to give it a little bit of zhuzh. Mm-hmm. And then it's cool to just do what they said to do. And it's also just cool to do what you are feeling in the moment or what you feel capable of doing. I 100% agree with you. And I haven't really thought about it, but as you were talking, it kind of occurred to me, it's it's the same it's the same thing for me as music where I love listening to like wild shit that I've never heard before. And I love listening to things that I love. And I try to put myself in the mind of, of the band. Like when they're, when I'm listening to a song I really like, I'm trying to think of like where the lyricist was when they were writing those lyrics, where the band was when they were coming up with those chord progressions, but I can't play all those instruments as well as they do. In the kitchen, I feel like it's a little bit more of an even ground where I do feel like I can play those instruments. And so reading a recipe is kind of doing the same thing. It's putting me in that that chef's spot. Yep. And then like, okay, so if I got drafted into this band, what what would I play? And it's like, okay, so I got the idea of the song. Now I want to figure out like, oh, I would have done a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there. And that's that's kind of what excites my brain. That's what gets me going. And that's when it clicks away from this is an activity I have to perform in order to sustain myself right. into I'm in like a zen state of mind where I'm just enjoying it and yeah. I'm playing a little symphony. That's that's what I love about it. And it's just because I got better at those instruments than I ever did at guitar or keyboards or drums. <laughs> Because you have to do it three times a day. <laughs> exactly. I got to do that to stay alive. That's right. <laughs> also, piano lessons. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> when you're a teenager, like my friends that I grew up with whose parents forced them to play piano all day. Me too. It's like, don't your fingers hurt? Come outside. Mm-hmm. Come outside. Oh, that's fear of bad influence, right? <laughs> Let's make your legs hurt instead. Come on. Get on the bike, kid. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> All the, all the money my mother spent on piano lessons. And I, I mean, I could still read music. I can still sit down and like play something, but it was that it just never caught for as much oh, as I'm obsessed with yeah. music. Right. That just never caught. Yeah. That yeah. is expensive. Yeah. I just never, I never had that. Like, like when you listen to all these podcasts that are out there, it's wonderful. We live in a world where everybody that you love as an artist is kind of telling their story right now. Mm-hmm. But Every one of them is like, oh, I just spent like three hours in my room by myself yeah. working on this thing that I was obsessed with. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I had video games. And I had kids knocking at my door to play full block jail tag. And then your fingers always went down the keys to the window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right to the doorknob and I'm out. <laughs> and he's loose. <laughs> Sliding down the bench. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just zoop, and we're gone. And that's the end of that. Sorry about the money. I was super obsessed well, yeah. with that. Uh, I was super obsessed <laughs> with music because I played, I did play piano and I played the flute. I had my mom's flute. She had kept mm. it and I played starting in grade school and I was totally obsessed and I would play for three hours a day, but <laughs> I, I hit the ceiling of my talent, probably eh, like eight or eighth or ninth grade, let's say. Oh. And once I realized that I wasn't really going to go any further and that this early promise that I had shown was, you know, just like a little bit of promise, mm-hmm. um, then it went away. So you I, have to, I, I, I never have had a thing in art other than cooking that 
I connected with like that where I just couldn't stop myself and it had to be three hours a day and I couldn't wait to go back to it. Um, I've had little moments like that, but then my talent always brought it to a halt, sadly. I've always wondered if, if, cause I feel the same way. <laughs> I love music. It's the, it's the thing even more than cooking music is absolutely it for me, but I never found the instrument that I had to keep playing. Right. Like I, I love singing and that's a thing, but I also like, I don't practice that for hours a day. I sing along with shit when I'm in the car, when I'm in the shower, you know, whatever. But I, I always wondered if, if it was like, if that's the ADHD wired into my brain or if it was like, I just never found the thing. You know, I played saxophone, I played keyboards, I played uh, guitar. I enjoyed them all but it was the performance with a crowd that was the thing that I enjoyed so sadly I think the thing I got the most obsessed with was a microphone and now here we are and now here we are. <laughs> it's yep. not musical but there's a microphone and I think that was just the thing that I loved the most <laughs> and I think that's perfectly uh boy does that resonate I think that's exactly the same there yeah. you go yep yeah and I we're the performance I didn't necessarily love you know pushing past that hard to cross barrier where, oh, this is, if you're going to get excellent, then you're going to have to really commit yourself to this. Yeah. Eh, if it didn't come that easily to me, then apparently I let it go. The, uh, the good to great moment. I was like, no, I'm good with good. That's totally <laughs> it. I'm good with good. I'm good with good. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are recording our 102nd example of it. <laughs> <laughs> that name was taken. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, it, Charles, it was kind of rad. You sent me some, some data today. Shout out to all of our, our Spotify listeners. Yeah. Saw a ton of growth on that, uh, in, in that market, Huge. on, on that, on that platform. It's our second largest platform. Not that anyone listening cares about any of this shit, but, uh, Apple's always been our bread and butter and Spotify's always been our number two. And we've had substantial growth this year. It's just cool to see. Cause we also get our, uh, sort of year, year end, um, what do they call it? The Spotify year interview. Like the yes. wrapped, the wrapped Spotify yeah. wrap. They do that for podcasters as well. So we can see some data and some maps, uh, listeners in the Netherlands and Canada. Yeah, shout out to all of our Dutch homies. Uh, we, this is, I think this is across the board, the tallest episode that we've had. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, that's so funny that you said that because I love going to Amsterdam because everyone just thinks I'm Dutch. Isn't it the yeah. best? It's the best. Like there is something, uh, there's something about walking around and not feeling like a giant. Totally. And I know, I know that's like super rude of me to say because I, I think that there are people that are envious of the height, but I, I do feel like I'm out of place a lot and traveling there. Oh my God. It's just like, I've, I found my people. people. Are they the, is that your uh, background? Almost 100% Scandinavian. Ah, I am I am okay. in the other end of the, the tall folk. That's right. That's but, right. But the Netherlands has has outstretched them. So they, they currently have the title for tallest folk. They do. <laughs> but the, the wee village that my family is from, uh, I've told this story a thousand times, but uh, I think you would appreciate it, uh, Steph. When I went to the bar in the town where my last name is from, it was the first time I'd ever walked into a bar and I couldn't see the back of the bar because everybody was my height. Wow. And it was like, like my heart exploded. I was so happy. So just these giant fucking foreheads yes. and these big heads just looking around at each other. Yeah. And they just assumed that I was from there because I looked like everyone there. And that you was, are from there. Yeah, because I am from there. Yes. I've just been gone for a while. <laughs> a few generations. But I got to do that same thing with when my dad turned uh, 80, I guess. It was right before the pandemic. We 
So my dad is from Clara City, Minnesota, which is a small town in central Minnesota. And it's very uniform. Everyone there is from the same part of Germany, right on the Dutch border. And so northern Germany, we uh, had always wanted to go there and kind of, you know, see where everyone's from. My grandparents were born uh, in the United States, but actually not all of them were. Anyhow, everyone was from the same area, including, so my dad has four sisters. They're all married to men who are also from Clara City, Minnesota, and their families are all from the same area. So Mm. my whole family is giants. And my grandmother's brothers were six, eight, six, seven, you know, at the turn of the last century. And so we went to this part of Germany, Ostfriesland, and went to Amsterdam first, you know, obviously had that experience and that's super fun. And then drove into Germany and it's just, it's, it's hilarious really because it is down to the face shape Mm -hmm. and like the length of arms. And I've have these crazy long arms and I'm like, Oh my God, look at these people. Everybody has the same shape. You're just waving full arm up in the air. Like, hi, I can do this. this." (laughs) It's so cool. I, and it doesn't happen for everyone. It's just weird that my family was so, uh, homogenous in a in a kind of a crazy way it sort of freaks out a couple of my cousins like how close is everybody related <laughs> but um but it was it was really special so that's good. amazing and that's it is wonderful. it's the giant people i love it well uh i feel like we should identify our resident giant person for sure. this episode <laughs> uh would you introduce yourself to everybody and kind of let them know uh like what you do and how they might have uh, come across you sure so i'm stephanie meyer I get mixed up for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> locally, I get a lot of people who think I'm Stephanie March. Uh, never but, heard of her. But uh, never heard of her. <laughs> and, uh, and worldwide, internationally, I, uh, internationally <laughs> everyone thinks that I'm the author of Twilight. Yes. It's my favorite sitcom on the internet, actually. Right. It's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> stories of people, especially like people from like Belarus will send you their fan fiction. You're like, thank you, but that is not me. Or you'll like, you'll remark on it sometimes, which is the best part. <laughs> some of them are so gross. I mean, some of them are really, some of them are very sweet. So yeah. I should say that part. Most of them, I'd say 90% of yeah. them are clearly young women who are so taken with Twilight and with the romance of it and all of that. And so I write back to them in very kind ways, but I get a lot of suggestions for like what the next, you know, sort of sexual relationship should be and what it should look like and you Please know, make another Twilight, right? right? And and wait, vampires. You know, I didn't know they could do this. I didn't know they could do that. I won't go into the details of it, but um, those are actually kind of my favorites. So yes, so I'm not the author of Twilight, um, <laughs> but if you go to my Instagram, which is Stephanie um, I have a highlight of all the Twilight responses, and that's oh, that's there's so a lot great. of them there now. Uh, so that's very fun. But what I do, uh, I for a long time have been a recipe developer and I've written three cookbooks and I've uh, teach cooking and I've done all of that for a long time. And I developed meal plans uh, in 2017. So a whole year of meal plans, primarily for people who 
are really focused on eating healthy food and who have autoimmune disease and food sensitivities. And that has been the core of my business for the last few years, several years now. And then I work one-on-one with people to change their health and the way they eat. But I really think of that as kind of behavior, breaking behavioral patterns. Mm-hmm. That's that's really my jam and what I get excited about. So I could definitely spend three hours studying that. So maybe that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Could, like, can I, as somebody who's read a lot of what you've written and sure. a lot of your blogs and have followed you for a long time, you write from an incredibly uh, empathetic place. Um, like, a lot of the things, like, it's never exclusionary in any of the words that you use and it's always kind of about making people feel welcome do you know like where does that come from did that come from like your upbringing or or did you develop that as you as you grew it's something that I know like because everybody wants to put just like books and books of prose before they post whatever recipe (laughs) and I always felt like you did a really great job of um, I'm inviting you in to sit down and have a conversation even though you're the only one that's talking it doesn't feel that way it feels like we're a a part of, of that. I don't know if that makes sense to you, It does. but, oh, but like as, as a reader, problem. I've always kind of wondered where that, like, have you always felt that way? Has that always come easily to you or? I love that. That Thank you so much. That is a very kind compliment because that is what I strive for when I'm writing. I really want to have a conversation with people and there's so much shame, uh, particularly for women, but for everyone for sure. about the way that they approach eating and food and nutrition and cooking. Um, it's sort of a, a lose-lose endeavor, mm. you know, that you're supposed to be, you know, providing nutritious food for yourself and your family while, you, while you're working full-time, you know, and you're supposed to just do it all. And, and then you're supposed to be slim and exercising and in shape and never eat carbs but only eat carbs but maybe be carnivore but then you should be vegan and dairy is evil and dairy is the key to health and it's so fucking insane and so I really started to connect with that with my clients and I the the core of my business now is working one-on-one with people and it's my favorite thing um because I do have a lot of empathy for it I've lived it I have an autoimmune disease. I had to change the way that I was eating in order to kind of go on this healing journey, and it made a huge difference in my life. And, uh, you know, I've experienced all of those things, so I love to be in those conversations with my clients, but I try to write in that way, and it seems to work. I, I <laughs> The only problem with writing that way, and it's an amazing problem, is that people write me back. So yeah. I have long correspondences with people sometimes for years before they even become a client Um, and we'll uh, have answered their questions and they know my life story and they've shared things about their lives. And I love that. So thank you. That's incredible. It did occur to me when you said that, you know, you have myriad clients because as somebody who owns a creative studio, the more clients you have, the more voices in the room. And that's, that must be a lot to manage. It is a lot to manage, but here's a, uh, the interesting thing is that I seem to attract a very similar type of person to my business, and I don't, I think it is because of the conversational aspect and because I'm not shy about being on Instagram and saying mm-hmm. what I care about, yeah. and <clears throat> it's been, I, I just am in awe. My clients are the smartest, 
funniest, most self-deprecating, uh, really open to experiments. I, I really couch everything that I talk about with clients as experiments, and we sort of go on this journey together of creating very indiv- individual experiments, um, and it's it's a blast. And I, awesome. I always am. It's so funny that you said that because I just keep thinking, is is the other shoe going to drop and I'm going to end up with like a lot of jerks somehow, but it hasn't happened. Everyone's been incredible. And then I've created all these friendships out of my clients. So it's, it's really been fun. So your brand is successful at attracting the kind of people that you work best with. But absolutely. You know, it's not to say that like, Oh, you didn't get any of those losers in your (laughs) program. It's to say that like your, your brand is effective in bringing the people that you you can help and can help you. Yeah. Exactly what you want. That is exactly what I want. Was there anything intentional to make that happen or did it just sort of turn out? That's amazing. It turned out that way, but I think it really is just an offshoot of being uh, open and myself. And also I talk about the things that I screw up myself Mm. and the places that I've made uh, errors. You know, I've conducted a lot of experiments on myself that (laughs) haven't necessarily gone that well. So I'm pretty open about those too, because I've tried everything. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is thyroid Mm. auto, one of the thyroid autoimmune diseases. And in 2010, and I was I felt terrible. I mean, I had done a lot of things to sort of figure out what was happening. And it's a very common story for women. It takes, you know, sometimes up to 10 years to be diagnosed with Hashimoto's because the symptoms show up in all sorts of ways. And every person who has ever been diagnosed with a thyroid disease has had five doctors tell them, of course, you know, you're just getting older. You're just female you know, eat fewer calories, work out a little bit more. It has nothing to do with your hormones. Maybe try smiling. Maybe try smiling. <laughs> just the fucking I mean, bullshit. seriously. The bullshit. Oh my God. The discrimination in, I, I love, I worked in healthcare for a long time. I worked in fundraising and in development uh, at Park Nicollet. I love people in healthcare. I You know, they're my people. But there is a lot of discrimination that women face going to physicians and trying to talk about um, energy and sleep and, uh, you know, gaining weight and having their hair be thinning all of a sudden, having joint pain. So doctors, a lot of doctors will just say, oh, and especially if you ask for a thyroid panel, they'll just roll their eyes and say, oh, you need to stop looking stuff up on the internet. But, you know, it's changing. It's getting better. I mean, it's kind of wild. I had a discussion with uh, a couple of friends the other day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 44 and two women in my life that are similar in age. Sure. Uh, just the fact that like when we were kids, like celiac wasn't a thing that people even talked about or knew about. Mm-hmm. And they basically just lived through their teens and twenties thinking that life was just miserable and basically thinking that they just had irritable bowel syndrome all the time or, or something until there was finally a, a, a wave enough to give something a name and then they could finally get tested for it. Yes. But if, if the doctor gatekeeps the ability to get said tests and doesn't even give that as an option, you don't, you don't know it. 
And that's one of the things, obviously there's all kinds of nightmarish shit about the internet, but that's one of the things that's been nice is it sort of gave everybody access to information. And then you still, even if you think you found like this hits all of my things, then you still have to explain that to a doctor in order for them to okay yeah, it's tests a, it's to then purposes. get your health insurance company to okay paying for those, that, even though you're giving them hundreds of dollars every single month. Like the, the, the cycle is so crazy, but I do, I do feel like we're at least making progress where a lot more diseases are well known. A lot more um, syndromes are well known. Yes. And now we're starting to figure out, Hey, there's a whole lot more than just like Western medicine and, and antibiotics that can cure things. That's right. And there's cool practices like the Penny George Institute locally in the Twin Cities. You know, they they have a mix of traditional or Western medicine and then, um, you know, acupuncture and other sort of uh, holistic, holistic uh, practices. And, and they work together. And it's really hard to get in there as a result. It's really in demand. I, if, I, if I were you know, 18, I would go to medical school and open a practice that was more of a functional medicine practice or more of a collaborative practice like that. For sure, that would be my jam. But didn't know that when I was 18 at the University of Wisconsin Mm -hmm. (laughs) and majoring in frats. (laughs) (laughs) Majoring in Wisconsin. Yes. It is it is funny thinking that like when we're eighteen to twenty two, we make the decision on what we're what we're gonna study when every possible hormone is raging out of control. Oh, we're getting freedom wrong. for the first time. Like seriously, could not have made crazier decisions. Seriously, and I look back at it now. And Wisconsin has this incredible nutrition school. They have you know an incredible medical school. They have all these things. And yeah, it took me a minute to figure out what I was going to do. I started as a political science major and hated it. And then ended up communication arts, which totally makes sense. So I, I didn't end, hey. you know, didn't end up too far afield. Is that your <laughs> It's major? both of us. You guys, um, really? Did you start um, as poli-sci visual, majors? Visual communication. Well, I was going to do poli-sci. Then I was going to do computer sci, and then I did visual communications. Ah, there you go. I was poli sci com minor, and Stop. then I, I dropped com minor, and I switched to peace studies and conflict resolution. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, here we are. I, it it taught me how to talk, and it taught me that it doesn't matter if one person thinks they're right and the other person might be wrong. You can find a way to find a common ground. I I, I did not do much of anything with my degree, but I definitely had a lot of fun, and oh, I yeah. it, it informed who I am. And it informed where I'm at. And I, I still think all of those public speaking courses and all the free rights and all that, it showed me, like, don't stop at a roadblock. Figure yes. out a way around. Figure out a way underneath. Figure out a way over the top. Like, whatever you got to do, figure it out. Definitely worth a hundred grand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you picked a beverage. I did. Uh, do you want to explain why? Sure. So... I, uh, hopefully this won't be like massively depressing to say, but my, um, my mom died a month ago and which is, you know, been, of course, I mean, she was, had been very, very sick for a long time. So there's a, there's certainly a relief component to it, but of course it's really sad. She was amazing. And so the last month has just been terrible, but beautiful both. Um, I have 
incredible friends. You know all of them, basically. You guys <laughs> would know all of them. And, and who just literally, you know, I keep describing it as a trust fall. Like, I just let myself fall into their arms and their care. And they took care of everything, planned a beautiful memorial party that we did last week. And, uh, and it was just all amazing. And I was thinking about tonight and I thought, oh, I just wish I were in France. (laughs) That was my my wish. So here we are, we're in Minneapolis, very beautiful in here. And I just was thinking French and picnic and you guys are both great cooks and, you know, eaters. And uh, so I just made French picnic food for you. And I thought it would be really fun to have, you know, pastis and just think about sitting on a hot French day and putting a little splash of water and pastis and sipping it and having... um, a little bit of charcuterie. So I'm not someone who makes charcuterie, but I did make pork rillette, yes. which is a very easy mm-hmm. and very delicious thing to make. So and, delicious. Uh, so I made that for you, and I thought that would taste great with pesties. And, okay, so I ended up not bringing exactly that. Uh, Charles brought Pernod from home, mm-hmm. so that's what we're sipping. And it tastes exactly what I wanted. It's just perfect. Uh, and so I brought other things too. So I made tuna butter. I just wanted to make sure you said that. Yeah. Because tuna, totally butter. Like tuna butter. That is two like- words that I had never put together <laughs> that I never want to separate mm-hmm. again. It's so, every time I serve it to people, they do raise an eyebrow. And then it's kind of turned into my friend's favorite thing. I get requests for tuna butter. So it's, in this case, um, it's pretty simple. Tuna and butter. Uh, I threw some dill in. I threw yeah. some, a little, a little bit of onion, um, olives, few capers, lemon. Mm. Uh, I think that's it. Garlic would be too much of a bomb. So, sure. um, and then just puree the hell out of it. Um, and it's well, I'm not going to say it's good because you haven't tried it yet. So maybe you hate it. Well, we'll have to see. There's no possible way you know, I will hate that. I'm morbidly uh, obsessed with compound butters to the yeah. degree oh, that I yeah. almost started a meat <laughs> compound butter company like seven or eight years ago. Did you really? Cameron. Yep. Huh? We got really close. We looked at uh, commissary kitchens and then you we did. started to get into like FDA stuff. We're like, fuck, do we really want to do this? Yeah. And then kind of fell by the wayside along with 11,000 of my other business ideas because <laughs> that's just the way my brain works. But uh, I've made just about every conceivable meat butter imaginable i've never made tuna butter you have not no <gasps> so i'm really like you just saying those words and me assuming that it's exactly what it sounds like <laughs> exactly yes. yeah it's like tuna <laughs> butter how have i never fucking thought of that <laughs> I, I feel like you have to you have to say it like a like han solo on the skiff and return of the jet like boba fett boba fett <laughs> tuna, tuna butter tuna butter <laughs> there's no space between the two just tuna butter <laughs> <laughs> Tuna butter. Tuna butter. Tuna butter. I'm gonna start spelling tuna it butter. that way now. It's just gonna be one word. That's gonna be even oh, better. Oh, that's it. So, okay, um, so the tuna butter has to go with the radishes. So uh, yeah, and I then I, radishes. I, I, if if you cut me, I would bleed radishes. I think. Oh, I, I think they that. go with everything, but of course with butter, and and I love tuna with radishes too. So yes, mm. that's in there. And then for the the pork rillette, I brought some um, cornichon pickles. I brought some grainy mustard and then i roasted grapes i like roasted grapes with pork so, so they're just sitting there in a jar too so awesome amazing that's Thank our little so frenchy 
uh, escapist. Yeah. Also, the vibes the vibes are so right because when we were messaging last night about the pastis, uh, it just so happened that Marty and I watched an episode of Julia. Oh, it was I one of the episodes where they're in Paris and yeah. it's like summer and they antiquate everything with the old cars and it's so romantic. And we were in Paris in July, so every corner, literally every corner that is turned on the show, my wife goes, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> I just did when you said the name. I'm like, yep. oh. every like every every vista that they show or every boulevard, <laughs> everyone they go down to is, "Oh, just look at that." Look at that. <laughs> it's yep. all very beautiful. Yes, it's an amazing show. I love it. Yeah, you know wonderful what? show. Highly recommended. <laughs> that you're saying it perhaps that's why i did this because really? i have watched the i blew through <laughs> whatever the first four episodes of the new season uh, we got one more okay we've been creeping through i don't want to like i'm not going to give anything the first away season we watched too rapidly sure and i this is mostly my philosophy with television shows people's mileage varies but i don't like to i don't like to binge mm. actual good stuff I'll binge reality shows. Like yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, I've been binging this, this Squid Game reality show because whatever's available, I'm like, give it to me. Let's see these these guys fall over. <laughs> but something like that, I want to savor it because I don't want to watch it as quickly as possible and then in a month be like, ah, fuck, when are we going to get more Julia? I know. And then yeah. it's going to be cold and terrible outside. Uh, but then I rewatch. I mean, that mm. I've rewatched season one of that. It's I think so I good. finished it and I went right back and started it over oh, again. Oh, I love that. And I love that. Not every show is worthy of that, but I felt like this one was. Yeah, very few, I would say. That, that's a show where if I recommend it to somebody and they say, and they're in my home and we're like half a bottle of Pernod deep. Yeah. And they say, let's watch it. I'd be like, yes, we should yes! watch it. Yes. Oh. Not every show is like that. I'd that's be like, watch true. it in your own time. I already saw it. But that's a show where I would just start it from the beginning. I it's a love wonderful that. Program. It's a total mood. And it's so rich. I mean, I'm almost. Of course, we love the food. Of course, we love, you know, the scenery and being in France and and all of that. But it's such a beautiful show about a cool marriage. I mean, I think that's what I like about it. They just have such a fun relationship with each other. And I think it's really charming. So, yeah. The historical depictions of food, too, to me is Mm -hmm. incredibly fascinating because you see so little of that. But for them to see them... For, for them to depict uh, Paul Bocuse dish of the encrusted right. fish with the, the red sauce. And, yes. You know, I won't get into any details because it's a part of this particular season. But to be able to see them depicting that is really fascinating yeah. to me. It's in 4K. That's the closest I'll ever get to him cooking a dish for me. That's right. 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 It's uh, very cool. They did. And the food styling. I'm also, yeah. I don't do a lot of food styling. Uh but I do do some. I didn't even finish talking about what I do. I'm like, of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm so a uh, tangent alert person. But sometimes I do get to do food styling for photo shoots. And it's one of my favorite things to do. I wouldn't want to do it full time because it's an insane amount of work. Yeah. But I really appreciate it. And in like that show, uh, the depiction of that fish dish was incredible. Absolutely. And the p- depiction of the fail it's not giving too much away, yeah. but you know, the yeah. fail was so disgusting. Right. It was really good. Stephanie, just so you know, this entire show is a tangent. Like oh, this is, this is, That's it, good. That's it, we're not tangent adjacent. Yeah. We are literally Maybe a someday tangent. I'll, some, you know, someday, someday I'll, I'll tell you what I do. Some we're we're fairly later. Seinfeldian. If Seinfeld right. had a podcast on his TV show, not the real Seinfeld, but yes. Seinfeld on the TV show, yeah, yeah. podcast, he'd probably be doing what we're doing right now. <laughs> this. this is totally it. What do you guys think about Julia? <laughs> Julia? Who knows? Paul Bocuse. 
But cues me. Uh, cheers, everybody. Snap, cheers to your mother. Some pasties. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I had just hit a splash more because I drank wine. Also, Charles, I need you to say that again because I talked through it. He's laughing because of the way I said it. Cheers to your mother. I hit the curb your enthusiasm song right when you right when you said cheers to your mother. Oh my god! This is the worst time ever. Wait! Oh God! Oh man! We have, Sounders, we have Sounders on the board. Wait! Why did the curb come on? Because of Seinfeld? Yeah, because you're like, if Seinfeld on the show yeah. had a show, like this is what it would be, and I was like, boom, let's hit it. And then you're like, cheers to your mother, which actually is the most curb your enthusiasm moment we could have come up with. Like it actually weirdly ended up being completely on brand by being so off brand. I apologize for my co-host. No. Can I just make a point that my mom would have loved that. She had like a super dark sense of humor and she loved Seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm. (laughs) That was actually maybe even guided. I'm telling you. There you go. Yep. That was good. (laughs) Well, Truly, truly, truly. Cheers to mom. Wow. Yeah, cheers to Cheers mom. to Kirsten. Oh, man. That's and just wonderful. That is delicious. Our, our first topic actually is okay. on topic. Apropos. So, Steph, why are Anna Seth so polarizing with Americans? And what do you love so much about them? Oh, my God. That's so funny. I ha- This is a very early conversation. When I was like six years old, we had um, a kind of a creepy dude that lived, uh, our backyards touched each other. And he, um, his name was Mr. Kraft, and he loved to give kids uh, blackjack gum. Oh, yeah. You ever had that? Yep. So it's black licorice gum. Yeah. And I was the only kid that was enticed by it. Like all the other kids were like, this dude's weird. The gum sucks. And nobody else. And I'm like, really? I'll take the the gum from the weird guy. I'm like, I'll take the gum from the weird guy. I loved it. And so I've always been drawn to that black licorice flavor. And I love, I love using anise and savory food mm-hmm. and um, and fennel, you know, kind of in that same realm. Mm, absolutely. Uh, why is it so polarizing? I don't know. I mean, it's very distinctive and it's very powerful. I'm sure that's why. Um, and I really think that black licorice is ugly candy and it's creepy. Mm-hmm. And so kids think they hate it and yeah, then they decide they don't like it. But I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people that think they hate the flavor of anise or even black licorice love fennel, the flavor of fennel in Italian cooking and in sausage and all these right. amazing things. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell people what they like and don't like. I'm not going to say that, you know, right. you're wrong, but, um, but you're wrong, but you're wrong. <laughs> it's so great. Do you guys ever, you We're know, here to do say a you're splash wrong. of Perno in your cooking? I do. I have not cooked with Perno. I I, I I mean I've I've cooked with Ara, mm. which is an anisette Lebanese. I always have plenty mm. of it on hand. It's really powerful. Is it? How does it compare it's to this? Much stronger. Okay. Yeah, significantly stronger. So you just do like a splash, Similar and in what kind well, of a dish? So I think, I think the first time I cooked with it was uh, my my pal Sami Wadi 
said that he brushes it on skewers on his grill. Mm. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. And then I tried it and I was like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, yo. So that would be, yeah, that would be the, the first example. And that was, I think that was when I interviewed him for Red Current. That was probably mm. eight well, or nine Well, shout ago out to now. him because he makes the most delicious food. Correct. And his cookbook is my most used cookbook. That's amazing. Yep. It's on my coffee table. Yeah. And yep. it's on not my shelf. all of them reside there. Yes, it is. It has pride of place in my kitchen for sure. Oh, yeah. And I use it to cater a lot. If I yeah. I don't do a lot of catering. That's another thing that I do, by the way. We'll get to we'll get to all the things by the time we're done. But um, yeah, sprinkle, so. We're <laughs> sprinkling them throughout, so you got to hear the whole That's show right. and figure out what she does. <laughs> Just give a little teeny sprinkles throughout yes. the episode. I do small amounts of small catering, um, but I do lean on his recipes he's amazing uh, so okay so absolutely. a little brush on skewers yeah. while grilling mm-hmm. yeah red Kay. meat lamb screen yeah. brush it on you Kay. know don't go too heavy don't create like a coating Mm-mm. but it's nice mm-hmm, to, it's mm-hmm. a little little quoi, right and then with all the savory characteristics it does have sort of the it almost mimics um like a southeast asian effect of having like star anise or something like that yes or, yeah it does it tastes great with fat I mean, Absolutely. that's totally, the, yeah. obviously, with sausage and anything. I love star anise, not heavy, but, you know, hints of it with anything fatty, yum. <laughs> fatty, yum. Fatty, yum. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I'm the opposite of you, Stephanie. I, I did not love black licorice when uh-huh. I was a kid. No and creepy I think, neighbor? I think, yeah, I didn't have the weird guy offering me <laughs> gum, so maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Plenty of weird guys offering other things. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I, I think, I think part of it is the visual mm-hmm. that everything that we associate uh, that star anise flavor with was colored jet black, Absolutely. which was weird to me when everything else looked yep. so bright and colorful and appetizing. That looked, it looked like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. And yep. then other people would tell you it's gross. But also, as I grew and as I lived in Scandinavia and have continued to travel. Um, we are one of the very few cultures that don't have like a cultural anisette where just about everyone else does, you know, whether it's rat or it's uzo or yep. it's aguardiente or like whatever, sambuca, all of our stuff, uh, like akavit is caraway. What about the collegiates of America, Goldschlager? There you go. <laughs> mm, delicious. Uh, but what, what Scandinavian people use it for is, is for medicine. And so I also think that that's part of it, where that flavor is associated with being sick. Absolutely. Salted black licorice cough drops are literally hospital prescribed in Scandinavia if you have a sore throat and all that. And so I think it's really hard for folks, like for my relatives, to snap out of that when you're associating it with feeling the worst. It's really hard to crave that when you just want to treat because you've tied that to that memory. So for me, it took both understanding and learning what fennel was through sausage. Yes. I remember pulling out a fennel seed. I had a, I think I've talked about it on the show before. I had a babysitter that told me that fennel seeds, those were potato bugs. And so I was oh, yeah. mortified and scared of fennel seeds forever. Mm-hmm. And then finally I was at a friend of mine and I'm like, dude, are those potato bugs? And as it came out of my mouth, I realized how crazy that sounds. And he's like, no, dude, those are fennel seeds. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, I had an awful babysitter. I'm sorry. It stuck in my head. totally yeah, totally fine for years. This was oh this God. was three months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still have a babysitter, by the way, folks. Uh, but I grabbed a fennel seed and I chewed on it and I was like, oh, black licorice. And then I tied the two together because fennel sausage is the best to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there we go. 
And then in that first wave of craft cocktail 1.0 in the yes. mid 2000s, um, I want I want to give Johnny Michaels credit for this, but it might have been Adam Harness um, made me a last word with, uh, and I think it was a Pernod rinse and anisette, like the the star anise flavor and citrus, blew my mind. Mm. That was like, like that was like a whole new world from Aladdin started playing. And I was just like, yeah. there's so many more possibilities. Did you say I finally understand. Yeah, I finally understood <laughs> the point of the anise. I'll leave. I'll leave now. <laughs> Thank you very much. But no, that that like it, it it was like it unlocked a new thing in my head and then I couldn't stop. And then it just became like, oh my God, well, what else can we put this in? Right. I've been missing out for so long. Yeah. Let's keep going with that. And now I, I think it literally is people get so entrenched in those childhood thoughts. Because those are the things when you only know like five things and you hate one of them, like that's a very visceral hate. It's yeah. very true. As opposed to like when you know thousands of things and you don't like one, you're like, whatever, I don't really dig that. Right. So it's it's trying to get people past that. You know, the amount of people that would like sneak a black jelly bean in something or, you know, the jokes about it. It's hard to get past that. I also agree with you. Those waxy ass like black Twizzlers, there's nothing appetizing about it. The mouthfeel no. is awful. The bite is awful. The yeah. look is awful. Yeah. Like you almost have to eat it sarcastically just to be like the, the opposite of what everybody else wants. I when I was a kid, but I grew up eating a lot of anise. Yeah. Because I'm Lebanese. So I did like black licorice. Well, but that's I the thing. But, but yes. I guarantee you there, there were like different expressions of it. We basically had jelly bellies or... Twizzlers. That was yeah, I, I kind like, of it. I did like the Twizzlers, but they weren't, you know, as good as like real black licorice. Right. Right. Yeah. They're and, not that strong. And I mean, then they're yeah. kind of fakey well, tasting. Yeah. yeah. It's like an actual Twizzler. It's like a muted red fruit flavor. Totally. Yeah. But I also like I don't love a lot of things now that are just one single note flavor. You know, like I want things to be mixed together. I want to have a couple things that I can taste. And that was all it took. Once I understood its place amongst other flavors then mm -hmm. it became something that now i can't imagine cooking without you know Definitely. like i i love uh, again making a really really bright and super hot like lime juicy like southeast asian dish mm -hmm. a little bit of pernod in the pan man it it doesn't take over the flavor at all because you already got some really sharp stuff sure. coming in there but it adds a little sweetness and a little bit of that anise flavor kind of in the middle of everything and it creates a layer that wasn't there between the sharp notes there's like a there's like a, a middle third harmony that goes through the whole thing and that is beautiful to me and i just never understood that it always seems so heavy-handed when you're a kid because that's all you get it's either all of the anise or none and to me the answer was just show me how it works in something else and then i can go with it i do a splash of that in some steamed mussels with Ooh, oh yeah. I love it that way white wine oh. yes yes I, I've never done it but that's, on that, that was like the first the streets of mine. 1930s Paris just absolutely <laughs> cooking we're, some mussels we're just gonna some end up in Paris by yep. the end of the show we'll just look out the window <laughs> <laughs> Hemingway just walks by like Hi. I know oh god <laughs> yeah that's interesting because it's sort of it, it lends itself a little bit to my position but I, I feel like a lot of people think it's the licorice proposition I don't 100% buy it because I've had people tell me I hate anise because I hate licorice and then have admitted in the same breath that they've never even eaten licorice before. That's my so theory. Like, that's, that's really unusual that you associate it with something that you've never even consumed. Yes. My theory is that it's about sort of enclosed minds in Western culture and particularly residing in the Midwest. Midwestern culture, 
I think a lot of meat and potatoes people grew up with, you know, basically four flavors on their plate. True. And it doesn't really tick any of those boxes, salty, sweet, Mm-mm. sour. It's its its own thing. It sort of doesn't fit any specific category, which some people can find confounding, I think. And that association of strangeness, I think, takes some time to um, hurdle over mm-hmm. for the people that eventually do and find something that they enjoy. It might be via something like Goldschlager. Sure. Like, it's interesting that for some people, that's probably their first introduction. They either turn them on to it or fully turn them off to it. Or, right. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, the whole Yager, you know, shot thing um, yeah. ruins people. Absolutely sure. it does. Um, and that's that's a very strong taste association. I can totally imagine that. It sort of reminds me of cardamom in a way. Mm. Like, I, yeah. people have a very specific reaction to cardamom and I love it but it, obviously a heavy hand with it is not awesome um has to be in the right place yeah too. are there any I don't know are there any cardamom flavored liqueurs or liquors at all the way that there are anise um, I but don't know that there are people people erroneously believe that it's in cardamaro yeah <laughs> correct it isn't because it's cardoons <laughs> I always but go back to uh it must be nothing comes to mind friend of the podcast Sam Bremer uh when he got married uh his wife is is uh from Belarus and ah. her family was in town uh-huh. and they uh they brewed up a batch of lemongrass and cardamom vodka and mm. I I think I still smell it on my skin every now and then because <laughs> uh, it was beyond heavy handed. It was the whole hand just uh, all the, the way The whole there. hand. Yeah. I mean, certainly people have made terrible mistakes with Uzo <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's part of it too, that that's a rite of passage for college students or even high school students to do shots of those really strongly flavored, uh, super strong, um, maybe less expensive kind of, things and then right. you can't go back but i don't know i did i will confess that the first thing that i ever had to drink way too much of was jack daniels mm. and it's kind of wrecked me i've never yeah. i'm not a whiskey person it, i can do it if it's a really good old-fashioned sure but um and i i can appreciate whiskey you know in theory and the conversation about it and of course all of my friends really enjoy it i'm sure you guys obviously you do too and it put a hard stamp on me sure i, I mean, drank too much jack daniels every night for about 10 years <laughs> <laughs> we were the weirdos in our, our i don't know if anybody else our college shot was drambuie that was going and that was, was amazing we, we did drambuie oh, okay Scotch oh. with heather and honey. Wow. And I still don't understand. Fancy I boy. I don't know. No, no. Jambuie? Like the bar was just trying to get rid Jambuie of it. If I at a party when I was stumbling around with my bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> I probably would have slapped it out of your hand. We would literally just yell, Drambuie. Oh, that's and then why, we'd okay. run up to the bar. Just and literally just boom. So you could yell Drambuie. And they were trying to get rid of it because they had these bottles that had been sitting there for years. Oh, for and so years. we were just, we were crushing it for like three or $4 a shot. And that was the, that was the wow. thing, How which bizarre. is why to this day, I still don't like any of the, like the honey like jack honey or jim honey or uh, any of that i can't yeah. can't yeah, fuck I with can't, that i wish i could do jack for old time's sake but i basically tried to murder myself with it yeah. in my late teens and early 20s that single barrel i'll so, fuck with yes they have they're releasing some products that, yeah. are, that i would like to experiment with but i've tried to go back hey for old time's sake how about a shot of jack and i'm like why the yep. fuck did I oh my this? god it's so powerful yeah, it's it's, it's amazing it has its own profile i guess it does it's just, absolutely toxic to me. Just drink Uncle Nearest. It's a better story. It's a better 
100%. Program. Absolutely. And it's no the original recipe whatsoever. that Jack has built off of. Yep, absolutely. So th- just yeah, to, back to Anisette, to, sorry. Just to finish it off, because I mean, I think some people are introduced from Italian sausage or from uh, like having fennel. Potato yes. bugs. Potato <laughs> bugs. They want to climb in your mouth while you're sleeping <laughs> no. in a barn. Oh you know? Ben <laughs> Olsen, so you fucking asshole. <laughs> you ruined my love of sausage for years. You successful jazz guitar player or bass player. You fucking what asshole. Jerk. God. But why I love it is because of my upbringing, my family. Yeah. Uh, distilling ouzo with my uncle in the mountains in Tula Batroon, Lebanon, uh, for summers in the late 2000s, uh, early 2010s. He's now since passed. I still have some of his ouzo that I made with him. Wow. So it's very near and dear to my heart. And I always, I mean, I always love drinking stuff like this. It takes me right back to you, to Lebanon. To home. Oh my sure. God. That sounds incredible. I've never had a bad ouzo experience, which of course is Same. why I love all of these flavors. So yeah, Lebanese that's a beautiful is, story. Ada is very strong. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, it clouds up as well. Like, okay. Like that yep. Yep. High bricks content. Cool. But it can be made really high content. Um, grain liquor is, it's pretty gnarly. But is it sort delicious. of, it, how is it consumed in Lebanon? Is you, it sort of like a, a, an afternoon sip situation the way that pestis is or how does it Yeah, work? well, it's an, it's an anytime drinker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You drink it with lunch, you drink it with dinner. Sure. It's one of their common beverages. Most commonly what you find at a lunch table or a dinner table is do you want Almazo, which is their lager okay. of choice. They have Beirut lager, which I also I actually now think is better than Almazo, which is crazy. Crazy. Got a lot better. They ask you if you want Johnny, which is Johnny Walker. Ah, so scotch. Ah, and then the third is ara, if you want ara. And the way that they serve it is you do one glass. You get a pitcher and you do one glass of ara to two or three glasses of water, depending on mm-hmm. how strong you want it, because it's that powerful that you have to do at least two glasses of water sure. to counteract the alcohol. And then it's beautiful. It's got the ecto cooler effect. It goes from clear to white, completely cloudy white. Yes. Crystallizes the side of the pitcher. And yes. then you just pour it over ice in these small glasses. Oh my God. That it's is wonderful. so my jam. And you drink and drink and drink and your family thinks they can drink with you and then they all can't go home because they've had too much to drink. Because they've had too and much I to drink. And I laugh and laugh. <laughs> 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 like like the bad guy at the end of like a, a Nintendo video game. Yes. Shao Kahn or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. All right, well, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Well, cheers. Cheers that to is, the set of the I world. I love that story. And try some, will you? Yeah. just Especially if you haven't for a while. Right? Yeah. Give it a shot. Just eat some fennel sausage. Start there. Cut up a fennel bulb. Click with that. Just start. That scent of like a freshly chopped fennel bulb should be enough to just pull you mm. in. I hope. I love fennel. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, though. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, what scent could be food related, could not. Mm-hmm. What scent makes you go full ballerina toes towards the source of it? Toward the source like of your it. nose uh. goes into the air. You've caught the visible whiff, mm-hmm. and you basically float on tippy toes. Oh my god! Towards it. What a great question. Weirdly, lime. Oh, I love mm. the smell of lime, and <clears throat> I love fragrances that have a little bit of lime in them. So I I had a moment. I think where I was bored, um, nothing against my ex-husband, who is a great friend, but when <laughs> I was married and I, I had a period of time where I wasn't working, 
volunteering at school a lot for my son and uh and my mind is too active to not have been working and I kind of went down a rabbit hole of fragrance Mm. and I acquired quite a perfume collection I really got into it Mm. and it was super fun. I mean, completely pointless, whatever. I mean, you know, how many perfumes can you have and wear? But it really was so instructive for me. And it ended up being tied back to food in a lot of ways because I realized that a lot of the fragrances that I loved had really foodie elements to them. Like they were, you know, kind of savory and, um, but then with a hit of lime. And that's so exactly the kind of food that I like to eat. And those are the things that I like to drink. And <clears throat> once I realized it, I just thought, oh my God, how the predictable am I? That even the fragrances that I'm choosing kind of are, you know, related back to food and related back to that combination of my favorite flavor profiles tend to be this, you know, really deep, rich, savory kind of experience. And then with this punch of citrus and acid. And so limes in particular, I didn't even know other than when I was cooking with limes, I would just be happy. And that smell is just unbelievable to me. Is it the outside, inside, or both? Both, totally. Mm. I mean, and they're so different from each other. Like the zest... And the and, you know and the juice are really different from each other, but sure, that yeah. is hands down my favorite sort of like citrusy fragrance. And then you know otherwise, there's certain floral scents that I really love. I mean, who doesn't love the scent of lilacs and peonies? Those are my two sure, favorite absolutely. floral fragrances. And so, in that whole you know like brief perfume thing that I did and went down and even sort of like corresponded with people about it. It was kind of a weird time in my life. But anyway, it was lilac and peony and lime and then, you know, super deeply savory scents. And um, anyway, yeah. These are all things that call to mind like being in a coastal town on yeah. a beautiful day and someone's totally. making ceviche. Yeah, that's exactly where my head was at. Like yes. I could, I could, as you were talking, is it? when you said savory, I could just smell salt water in the air. Yes. Like that was what I was imagining. Oh, and those right? types of scents, like the the scents that I love to have in my home, are always those like salt water, ocean, you know, kind of. Um, fragrances so I like I'm very drawn to fragrances that was a really good question like you know the thing that underlies a lot of so I started a blog I started my blog uh in 2006 actually which was when no one was blogging and the name of the blog then was um the moderate epicurean which is like it's totally ridiculous name but I was really obsessed with the idea of moderation like I you know had come from the University of Wisconsin Uh, and and what what is what's the word you're using uh I had said the moderate epicurean no moderation and mo- oh yeah, that, I'm not familiar that with okay, that. Here's my that? definition. Here's my Ooh, definition yeah. of moderation. I'm not. I'm not good at that one. Sorry. <laughs> but I love the exploration of moderation. For and, sure. And I think of it as like the line between, you know, sort of like debauchery slash decadence and deprivation. Ooh, I like that. Right. And so deprivation is sucks, and you know, 
total debauchery doesn't work either. Unsustainable. Unsustainable. And so what's that line? And that that's why I started this blog. Like that was gonna be my exploration of, you know, the line between debauchery and depri- deprivation. And I was gonna have this, you know intellectual conversation about that and I thought that was going to be really cool I did have a lot of fun with it um the problem is that in my bio you know I called myself <laughs> a sensualist and it attracted a lot of weirdos yeah. so you know I just was <laughs> I was very naive it was 2006 and the internet was not very old yet and so I'm like I'm gonna have this it was mostly perverts at that stage yeah, absolutely totally so many perverts it was perverts and weirdos like me that are think that I'm gonna have some intellectual conversation about you know what is the definition of sensualism and what is you know what is the definition of moderation of you know um, what is this line between decadence and deprivation and how can I walk that and where does food fit into that and where does my cooking fit into it and all that kind of stuff. And the fragrance thing, you know, was in there and I talked about that kind of stuff and I made the mistake of putting, you know, a picture of like my feet. I bought these really beautiful plum colored, like open toe sandals. (laughs) Stephanie, (laughs) picture my feet. I swear to you. I swear to you. I was literally, when you were done, I was going to say you would write all this prose and then some creep was going to be like, that's beautiful. Can I see what your feet look like? And you actually got there. Holy shit. That's amazing. It's amazing. Digital camera, and I got these really beautiful shoes, and I called them, you know, ballet shoes because they were so uncomfortable to walk in that (laughs) they only worked if you were going to valet for dinner. And put a picture of them on it. Oh my god! The comments. I had to delete everything, and I never did that again. So you know, this is early, very early. Guys, but yeah. So fucking gross. Stop being so fucking gross. I was shocked. Like I said, I was naive. Very, very naive. I appreciate the intention. Yeah, (laughs) yes. And the sad part is I would have loved to read that, but... No, but no, no. So I, you know, but I really cling to that idea of, you know, the underpinning of all the things that I love to talk about with food and with my clients is this like sensualism thing and I don't mean it like in a you know a sexual way it's just that people are afraid of food and of loving food and and of course you know if if you're engaged with food you know in the five senses sort of way it's so fun and And it's this beautiful gift that we get, you know, three times a day, basically, to sort of check out of stress and to connect with um, something delicious and nourishing. And I I really do try to talk about food in that way, but I just don't use that word anymore. So even though that's like, and hopefully it comes through, like the way that I talk about it, I'm I'm having a great experience with food. And... uh, but I don't use those words because, yeah, no, that was really stupid. <laughs> before before I kick it over to Charles for his answer, I just want to yes. say it's funny that the sense that you are the most drawn to, I am literally the exact opposite because I am all woods and like warm vanilla. Oh, I love those like things that's too. that I I I enjoy. I think that's the savory thing I'm talking about. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It was um so. I don't know if I've talked about this before in the show. Um, I, I was previously married and uh, she wore the same uh, perfume. It was a very vanilla forward Hannah Moray uh, mm-hmm. perfume. Mm-hmm. And 
the first thing that happened after we got divorced, uh, I got flown to Las Vegas for a comedy writing convention. And it was really cool. It was the first time that somebody had said, like, I want to pay for you to come out here and, like, be a part of this workshop. And I was like, rad. And they put us up in um, the Venetian. And I was, like, so excited. And, like, I walked out. It was the first time that somebody had been holding a sign that had my name on it. And, like, we got in the car. And we go to the hotel. And the entire fucking hotel <gasps> yeah. was, was scented with yeah. Hannah Murray. Yeah. So I'm, like, wow. two months out of it. And I couldn't escape it. Did you cry? No, it was like, it, I laughed like a serial killer. Like right. I was a complete fucking maniac because to me, I'm literally going to a comedy writing convention and like this, is the, this, this is the funniest thing that could possibly happen. I love it. Like if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, no fucking way. And I'm like, I'm literally living it and I couldn't write it better. <laughs> Everything about it, like I was so excited, like I'm reclaiming me. Right. And here I go, yeah, hell yeah, I'm a writer. People want to read what I write and they want to listen to me talk. And, the world. Oh my God. God, the whole fucking place smells like my ex-wife. Wow. It was it was perfect. And it yeah. took me a long time, but it's one of like sort of how you get you get songs back, you get movies back. Like oh after God. after Nothing. a heartbreak. It takes a little while. Was yes. your comedy special called 30 million cubic feet of my ex-wife? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Should have been. Yeah. Uh I went with uh, but um yeah, it was like getting that back has actually been wonderful. And now like uh you know, if we have, a, we buy a candle and it's lit at the house and it smells like vanilla, it's actually mm. really, really, it's back to being like super calming. That's um, And I love all of the scents that you were talking about, but mm. to me, that's like, that's my escapism. Right. Like I want that, I want that smell when I'm somewhere else. At home, I always feel like I'm drawn more to those like warm scents. But anyway, sorry, yes. Charles, uh, to you. Hopefully you review my sense as well. Yeah, damn right. Uh, it, <laughs> we always say you can answer these questions on a given, on a different way on any given day. The first thing that came to mind to me today, because it's cooling down outside, is carcinogens. Like, mm -hmm. meat carcinogens at a steakhouse, that is the most intoxicating scent for me, mm. pretty much, on, on any on any given day when I, I smell that. I love that you call them carcinogens. Mm -hmm. You could have said, like, you know, Char steak. like, charred, No, because it's know, expressly, or, like, we've gone too far, yeah. and our grill is, like, super well. I love that. I mean, it, it's usually, like, a well And I love that taste. Yeah. yeah, so uh must have been about a year ago now, a few friends and I, um, Eric Eastman, Paul Butenhoff, Derek Reed, mm -hmm. and myself decided let's have a fancy boy lunch downtown at Murray's. Yes. And it was a cold day and it was humid. So mm -hmm. the scent carried us on our toes to the door because it was like, <laughs> it was all down the boulevard. You could just smell it the whole way. Mm. And it's that very distinct scent of an older steakhouse that has been grilling steaks for a very, very long time. And that's the reason I refer to it as carcinogenic because I can make a steak at home and sure, that's, that's my yard and carcinogens as well. But I'm talking about like that crazy, let's call it toxic, that's what it is, buildup that has a very distinct smell that you cannot recreate in your home. You just can't make your steak smell that way 99% of the time. Sometimes you get that magic steak and there's something about the way that you cook it and you get the perfect sear on it and it somehow smells a little bit like that. But... Even a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to this beautiful, historic um, Northeast Minneapolis Steakhouse that is four blocks from our house, and we haven't been to in ages, called Nye's. And when we were, not Nye's, Jack's. 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 I was going to say, Jack's. you guys went to Jack's, which I know from Nye's your Instagram. So R.I.P. Nye's. R.I.P. Nye's. Also but, an so, incredible place, but yeah. no longer with so, us. And we were in there, and it was exactly that. And I was just like remarking to her that, 
that's one of the things that will bring me to old-timey steakhouses knowing I am perfectly equipped to make a wonderful steak in my home. I don't have to go pay extra for steak. But the steak, the old-timey steakhouse experience is very valuable. Like the old carpets and woodwork. And I love it. the smoky voice waitress. and Plush worked and there for 30 the years. The with the towel over. Totally. The, the martini with the ice shavings on top of totally. it. And it's so dirty that Quam would run out the door. <laughs> The steaks, the carcinogenic effect. The I'll just pour potatoes. a bunch of water into yeah. it to even it out. It's fine. <laughs> but it's all that, and it, like the scent, the scent is central to that. Yes, that is like that's the tent pole mm-hmm. of that carnival. When you smell that when you're walking in, mm-hmm. you're like, Here we everything go. else is built around oh, it, right? I'm I'm there for that. I don't I don't know if you could put that into like a perfume, but maybe you could. I'd go with it. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where if you go have a big steak lunch on your break, if you're gainfully employed and you go back to work, it is like a perfume. <laughs> Absolutely. Know. Everyone know knows. What you're doing. Is, like my mom, I, when I was a, uh, a cheerleader in high school and my mom made steak for dinner one night. And the way that my mom cooked steaks was she broiled them. Did your parents yep. ever do this? Yep, right here. So you like put a little water in the bottom mm-hmm. of the broiler yeah, my pan mom did so if you, you didn't start it on R fire. Out. If you what? If you take the R out, that's what my mom did. Boiled. <laughs> oh, <no>. God. <laughs> she was not good at making steak. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've <laughs> never, I myself, I don't think I've ever broiled a steak, but that's okay. how my parents did it. Yeah. And so, like, broiler pan, little water in the bottom, uh-huh. but it would fill, you know, the house with smoke, oh, with right. beefy, yummy, fatty smoke. And I was already in my cheerleading uniform, and I... <laughs> you know, wolfed down the steak Friday night football game. Sure. And one of my uh, cheerleading uh, friends picked me up and I got in the car and she's like, oh my God, you smell amazing. You smell like a steak. And I'm like, I totally just had steak for dinner. And she was just like, raw. That is hot. That is amazing. So yeah, it's a good smell. What, What was the mascot? The mascot, uh, we were the Red River Rough Riders. Oh, shit. Yeah. Some sort of like a cowboy situation. Yeah, totally. Like a teddy. Amazing alliteration. I'm so drawn to alliteration probably because of that. Um, So it was, yeah, like a Teddy Roosevelt on horseback. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Probably probably appropriate to smell like steak. Uh, Yeah, exactly. That's on brand. You're you're literally, you were full cosplay. Like you were all the way in. Method acting. Totally. We we wore cowboy hats like, because it's freezing. I, this is Grand Forks, North Dakota. So even this time of year, you know, when football was happening. um, High school. Oh my God. Very cold, and so there's uh, nothing to stop the wind up there. There's nothing to stop. The it's wind. just literally hundreds nothing. of miles there's of cows to stop the yeah, wind. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's Screams um, across the whole yeah, state. It is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so cold, and the wind is crazy. So yeah, cowboy hat smelled like a steak. I had it all going on. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I my my mom actually took it an extra step, and uh, the broiler it was the toaster oven. The, the steaks oh, went Jesus in Christ. the bo- the boiler went in the toaster oven <laughs> on broil. That must have been a bitch. Uh, oh, I, gross! N- Your it mom was, was air frying before the bros. Were correct. Right? Yep, <laughs> she was air frying before it was air frying. <laughs> oh my God! No name steaks out of the little uh, the little plastic pack. <laughs> Boot right on there. Oh. Yeah, that's that's a real thing. That's I, brilliant. Uh, well, well, I mean, 
well in bold and italics. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah. Um, but for, I, and I, I do, I agree with you. That scent, there's nothing better. I, I was just actually walking past Murray's yesterday, and oh my god, a block in any direction, you can <laughs> smell it, and it's the greatest thing. The MSG garlic bread toast points, like, come on, totally, like, give it to me. But um, uh, former guest and friend of the podcast, uh, Paul Hennessy has a sauna in his backyard, mm. and that is the smell. I drove over to their house to say hi, and the sauna was going, and I got out of the car, and that smell of, it's all fresh cedar wood lined on the inside. Good, it's not sweat. No, and it's 100% wood mm. fire. It's not an electric stove. That insane. That yeah. smell. I'm in. It's, it is what, there's something in my ancestry. It mm. makes my blood buzz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm that smell of a hot sauna it's it's everything to me and it's like i don't love winter i don't hate it but i really don't love it and that scent is like a like a blanket over my shoulders like now nah, we're gonna be all right oh, like just good. that that bright richness that cedar brings totally and then you have the actual wood fire and then so you have the, the carcinogens you have mm, all of that right in there yeah right? And then I'm going to be, I don't know, maybe this is gross to some people. I don't care. Uh, the smell of bodies in yeah, there. Yeah, I you mean, know? that was what occurred to me when you said it. But it there, yeah. there is like a, there is a, an, an earthy, savory salinity right. that comes off human bodies while sitting in there. And all of that together, it feels like this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I, I don't know any other way to put it. There is there is not another scent that I can think of that is like this is where I am supposed to be, and that scent every time it doesn't matter where it is it doesn't matter if I'm with complete strangers doesn't matter if I'm in another country that scent all put together is exactly like what centers me when the weather turns mm. and it's like no matter how bleak it gets this will always exist wherever it is there is always a room that is hot and steamy and cedary right. and smoky and humany. Yeah. Right. Pheromony, you right. know, like <laughs> just full of everything. The, 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 the primordial soup of who we are. Totally. It, 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 it's like echoes of millennia of generations of us have smelled this exact thing. Well, and you get to call yourself a sensualist now. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't. I mean, yeah, on the internet. Yeah. my 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 failed uh, blog was foodsexlit.com. We owned it for five years, <laughs> and it was the confluence of cooking, uh, <laughs> literally sex, okay. and literature. Okay. Like how how can the three come together? Oh my and God, we're like the 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 co- my my co partner with that uh, we still talk about it we still laugh like we have who, who was your partner with uh, her? her name is Jennifer Wetham she's a professor uh, at a university in well now she's at Reed University in Washington oh that's a cool um, she is the most intimidating author that I have ever uh, known personally mm-hmm. uh, and our balance was that uh, and we figured this out together. Our balance was that she can take really simple thoughts and make them incredibly complex. <laughs> and I can take really complex feelings and make them actually quite simple to express. Yeah. And the two of us writing together actually worked out really well. Totally. Uh, but once you put sex in the, the URL, uh, it skewed completely sideways. Does. And all we got was the origins got of the spam. Weird foot guys. Those. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so never, never happened, but there are somewhere, there are like, I think eight or 10 pieces that are out there from, oh, from it. Great. And it was, it was, it was great. But yeah, that was, 
the 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 sensualist is absolutely I never use that term, but that's absolutely whatever. All I want is to experience everything with all of the senses that's it. possible. That's totally it. Hey, cheers to primordial human soup. Uh, primordial human soup. Cheers. I think this is a twofer. I think I get to go again. What? Yeah. Um, I was guessing that this would be a question that you like, and I feel like I may have guessed correct. We do not talk uh, enough about books on this show. Oh. And that was really organic that it, literally we just led into that. Yeah. But um, would you shout out either A, a book that changed your life in one way or another, or something that has really resonated with you recently? And just explain it a little bit, maybe maybe why, on, on either end. Sure. Oh, that's really tough. I am a voracious reader. Um, that's my escape and, you know, inspiration. For sure. And <clears throat> so... Gosh, and if you want right to, if you if you want to think for a second too, yeah. that's totally fine. Like I, I, I don't like sometimes when we catch somebody with a question that's like something that's very near and dear to their oh. heart. I also don't want to put you on the spot. So yeah. Charles could go if you want to think for a second, or if you have something. My only problem is that there's just so many. So many. Well, name um, a few then. I don't think yeah. you have to nail it down. To so one. I, I'll say I'll say one that's really cool, and it's been really helpful. Uh, <laughs> it's a little like metaphysical a little bit but um but it's it's a book called letting go i can't remember the author's name but it's basically about <clears throat> i use it in my coaching practice a lot but it's about how it's a process for feeling emotion uh that is very um step by step and I have found it incredibly helpful for myself, but also when I talk to people, because, you know, when you get into a conversation about food, of course, you get into a conversation about using food, you know, to manage emotions, um, which we all do. And I think, you know, to your point earlier about empathy, I really have a lot of empathy for that. And I really think that um, we should capture that and use it because, I think that's what food was meant for. You know, we're very biologically wired to have all this pleasure from food and to have all these great neurotransmitters have, you know, re be released when we eat. And it does relax people. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of, a lot of people come into my practice feeling really guilty about that and about really guilty about um, what they call emotional eating and that, you know, they, they eat to manage emotions. And there's a lot in that. There's certainly people are eating uh, because they feel stress. And when you eat, it does, you know, release dopamine, it releases serotonin. There's all sorts of, you know, good things that come from yeah. that. And, and I, I really like to harness that and help people harness that and use it because we're wired to experience that. Um, Can I just clarify? Is it "Letting Go: The Pathway to Surrender" yes. by David R. Hawkins? Done. That's totally it. Cool. And just for our listeners, I wanted yes. to make sure. Okay. And it's a really, it's a, it's such a cool book to pick up because um, the emotional eating piece a lot of times is that people just aren't eating enough during the day, and then they end up at the end of the day thinking that they're emotional eating, but they're actually just really hungry and undernourished. Yeah. Um, 
But the emotional piece of it, there is an emotional piece of it. And so this book is this very step-by-step process for, um, for feeling emotion without super grabbing onto it and working through it and releasing it. And we're not good at that in this culture. And it's, it's something that I have had to work through myself because of, you know, childhood experiences that I've had. Um, you know, my mom had some pretty serious mental health issues, especially earlier in her life. It got better as she uh, was older. But that put a big stamp on me. And, um, and so big, I have, well, we all have emotions, of course, but I have big emotions. And I've always uh-huh. kind of struggled to understand how to manage that and felt even like an outlier that I was having an emotional experience that other people were not in the same, you know, sort of conversation. (laughs) My ex-husband, John, used to say to me, you are totally having a different experience than I am right now. (laughs) And I'm like, I am. And that was a really good insight for me because I'm like, oh, I am having a much bigger reaction to whatever we're talking about right now than you are. And that got me very curious about, okay, why? And how am I not processing emotion? And this book is really about that. So it's been helpful for me to read that and understand how to identify an emotion, how to, you know, feel it without grabbing it, you know, without like turning it into something really big, which I'm really good at, you know, just sort of like, this is this emotion, this is the thought that creates it, this is a process for just sort of letting it go, and that's what the book is about. I think it's incredibly valuable, um, and I do recommend it to people a lot. Uh, Last week, in the car, driving to Wyoming with my my dad, my stepmom, and three of my, uh, or two of my three siblings, we drove together to Sharon, Wyoming, which we haven't done for a really long time since we were all little kids. Wow. And uh, and we collectively listened to David Brooks' new book. And you should look that up because I can't remember the title I'm of on it. it. Give me one second. So we were all exhausted. We kind of like zoned in, zoned out. As I joked with a friend, I probably listened to chapters like 1, 5, 10, and 18 or something. But it's an amazing book. And I feel like it's sort of a, if you're a parent or if you're, you know, married or in a relationship. How to to know a person? Does that sound right? Yes, that's it. And it's really just sort of a a 101 on... uh, on feeling emotion and how important it is and how important it is in relationships and uh, and then these stages of personality that a person, you know, goes through in their development. So I kept thinking, oh, this would have been an amazing resource as a parent. For sure. Um, but in a relationship or anything. So I totally recommend that book. And then uh, – I love the book Atomic Habits. These are all behavior-related books, as you can tell. That's my jam. Um, <laughs> but Atam- Atomic Habits That's the first one by I James Clear. Yeah, it's such a great book. And and the word, you know, the word play on atomic being mm. tiny, but also, you know, gargantuan is really cool and really helpful. And I recommend that to people a lot. Um, 
And then, I don't know, what's a great novel that I've read lately? Um, I haven't read as many novels lately. I've really been kind of into biographies. I love Michelle Obama's biography. Like, I found that very inspirational. And I really miss, this isn't a book, but there's, you know, the documentary series, I think, on uh, Max, either Max or Netflix, about first ladies. Yeah. And, oh, my God, we are so starved for and missing this call to a life that is filled with purpose and, like, the greater mission. Mm-hmm. And these women who, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt, obviously, but Michelle Obama, you know, uh, I really learned a lot about Lady Bird Johnson. Yeah. Um, I haven't read her any books about her but I loved Michelle Obama's uh book because we need more of those kind of like modern biographies that are a call to purpose and vision and being a greater person which social media is bullshit at providing (laughs) so I love books like that so I'll stop there I love that yeah that's great that's some really great selections uh, I'm going to take a different bent to this because I could sure. call to mind like some Carl Sagan or Richard Dawkins, things that have like really affected mm, me personally. Mm-hmm. And, and but also to all of our listeners, please just go read some Carl Sagan, read some Richard Dawkins, yeah. read some Christopher Hitchens. Just please, please. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be, I mean, if you're going to consider yourself someone who studies theology, it. I like how it's offensive when you say, I love to read Richard Dawkins because then it's like, oh, wow, you hate people who are religious? No, I read the Holy Bible when I was a child. Twice. 12 years old, I read the Holy Bible. It's fucking weird, but mm-hmm. I did. And I re- I was a big reader when I was a kid. I, I'd like to get back to reading more. I do read, but not nearly enough for my liking um, based on my <sighs> lifestyle. But when I was a child, I read things like that, which is weird. Or, and then The Hobbit, Jurassic Park. Like I was a voracious reader. But there was some some point when I became a teenager that I accepted that I was kind of a burnout and a loser. I was okay with it. I was like a party boy, and I was depressed and kind of just, like, hated my life and myself. I didn't think I was going to not only not make it far in life, I didn't think I was going to make it far in life. It's wild that the two of us are sitting here because we both came from the same exact spot. Yeah, I and think we've talked about this before. where were you living when this yeah. happened? Were you in here? In Northeast Minneapolis. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I born and raised in Northeast Minneapolis. Yeah, I've been okay, in Northeast okay. Minneapolis pretty much my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I was tricked, manipulated is a harsh word, but it's true, by an English teacher in high school into, because she saw my um, aptitude for English, and um, she tricked me into joining English Lit because you had to come early in the morning to go to English Lit. Mm-hmm. Via that, the first book, Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens, that's not the important part. That's the book, but that's not the important part. The important part that is that she effectively told me that because I was in a block schedule at the last school I was in, that I had to take this credit or I would never graduate, and you have to come in beginning at, I think it was like 7 a.m., and I was like, fuck! Like, I remember mm-hmm. thinking, my life is over, this is terrible. And it took me a while to understand what she had done and why she did it. Mm-hmm. Today, she'd probably get fired for doing that. Talking about, you know, this is 1998, maybe 1997. And looking back on it, I really appreciate her for that because writing, namely, has become such an integral part of my various vocations in life. I've been a professional writer in publications as well as 
uh, as a creative director, um, writing marketing copy, creative and technical for, for my clients is integral to what I chose to do for a living. And I don't really know if that would have been an element of my career had it not been for taking that English lit class. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I read that book. And I have like a real dirty story that is, that has to do with that book, but I, I don't think I'm going to tell it. A tale of two cities. You yeah, have a dirty what? story. I'm going to, I'm going to give you like a, I'm going to give you, to Paris. I mean, is your new nickname Charles Dickens? A girl at a party at my house when I moved out when I was 17, <laughs> thought we were all really fucking stupid and said, if anybody in here can tell me the first line from a tale of two oh, cities, come on. I will go into your bedroom with you. And I jumped up on the counter and yelled it but then i was like we're, we're not doing yeah. that i know you're joking that's that's the whole dirty story that's just, a terrible that weird some. that's not that's a very sweet story yeah yeah no i just it was yeah that was, i was like and you don't you don't have to do this actually i don't know if you were serious <laughs> but again i was a teenager i yeah. didn't really know if she was but that's yeah that was pretty funny and i and at the time honestly at the time i knew that whole first line yeah now I just know it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I was going to say, it best of the, times, the worst of times. It was the, I don't know what the worst of, of it times. Is, There's it's the best of times, the worst of times, and I don't know what comes next. It gets more complicated okay. from that point. That's but I, I knew it all at that point. Uh, we got 3.14. Like, we don't have to know the yeah, rest. Yeah, she <laughs> was like, no, I thought no one was going to know. I thought I was going to yeah. look really smart and cool. We got at that point, I had read it like eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you think, I didn't actually, I've never put that together. At the time, I had just read it like a year before that, maybe. That insane. Is, oh, that's, good. that's a good story. Yeah. I like that. Also, story. shout out to whoever that girl was. Like, she's awesome. Just yeah. trying to like I'm look so out. Like, Facebook does guys. anybody read books? I would just like to know if anyone reads right. books. I'll have sex oh, yeah. with anyone yeah. who reads <laughs> no, books. And <laughs> please. And I loved her for doing that too, because she was super cool, and we were homies. And um, you know, she lives like way out in the middle of nowhere now. But she was she was one of those like really cool. Yeah friends who who also was like very heady like knew a lot of things about books and i always loved that about her she's also the person that i've had to talk down off a shroom overdose for the longest period of ah. time <laughs> like it took an entire <laughs> evening let's go <laughs> that's my world <laughs> uh, i thought you'd like that that's yeah i was <laughs> like now i'm down like all right let's go yeah. <laughs> uh well I, on the same line, I just have to give a shout out also to an English teacher that changed my world, right. if we're going to talk about that, yes. because she was the, the person that opened up Shakespeare to me. Mm. Uh, and that's not my answer, but I do want to give props. I, I, we love giving flowers on the show. Uh, Chelsea Peterson, who I just recently ran into at Odessa show. Uh, I was her first AP class fresh out of college. Wow. So she was 22, 23. I'm 17. And oh, wow. All full of the shit talking and mayhem and chaos yeah. that I embody like a thousand times over. <laughs> and uh, she, I, I give her credit. We run into each other every like three or four years. And I always give her credit because she brought in, she was a huge hip hop fan. And she brought in a bunch of examples of iambic pentameter in hip hop. And then was like, I'm playing you guys these songs because you know how to sing along to these songs. I want you to read Shakespeare like this because it's going to help it make sense to you. 
the rhythm of it is going to make more sense if you understand the pentameter of the words. Yes. And then she literally turned it into a competition because I weirdly went to a fairy tale school where all of the jocks were also in AP classes and it was really cool to be in choir and theater. Yes. I my high school is that way. It was wild. Yeah. And so she wanted to gamify Shakespeare. Damn. So she created a game called Shakespeare Baseball. Oh my god! And it was it was all about us trying to learn, like we were competitive about understanding the lines in Shakespeare, <sighs> and literally fucking changed my world. And the fact that at forty four I got to hug her at a concert and explain again how much she meant to me, and that she just had her arms around me and she's like, I never forgot that first class. Like Damn, I love like that was amazing. But in, in, in acknowledging that I'm also kind of in this weird, like retrospective where, um, I've started listening to music that I used to love when I was a teenager, just trying to like, kind of like not reconnect with it, but looking back on it now with completely different eyes. Sure. Um, I felt very lost for, I still kind of do, but I felt very lost in my teens and early twenties. I felt like I was completely unmoored. I had no idea where I was going. I The only thing I knew is I didn't want to go back to the shore that I set sail from. Mm. Like that to me was failure. Yes. Going back to what what I had grown up with sure. was failure. So everything else, no matter how rough the seas, it was just plow ahead. And I found myself really attracted to books about people on journeys. Mm. And I just, I ate them up. Right. Absolutely ate them up. Yes. And um, recently I've started looking back uh, very much so with music. I've started looking back on some of those and, and listening back to some of the most important records for me. And I've started doing it with books as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, in the last six months, I have reread, these are both really, really easy reads. Like, honestly, both of them were a single afternoon. Um, the Alchemist by oh, Paul Coelho. Love that book. That was like a, it was a, guiding star to me when I was 19 years old and living overseas. It was the idea of somebody trying to find what home is Mm -hmm. and then eventually being led back. And now to me, that book embodies that this whole journey has been so absolutely wonderful, full of tragedy, full of awful times, full of tough times, but the whole thing has been so wonderful and it's still going and just trusting that wherever it ends will will still feel like home. It really like it got me choked up. Mm-hmm. And I've read the book before. I've Same. talked about yeah. it before. Yes. But it means something so much differently to me now. And the other one All the best art does that though, right? Yeah, I, I like, think so. More than once it affects you in the same way. Or yeah. you hope for a different outcome and something really tragic. You're, yeah. I know what happens, but could it have been a nightmare? But I'm back could in it, it you know. Yeah, yeah. And because you're so, you come at it too as as a new person, like you yeah. with all this wisdom, and and these new ideas. Yeah. Even about grief and about sadness all and about you know, I used to be completely freaked out about sadness and about grief. But of course, what is happiness without the flip side? I mean, you have to have. Mm-hmm. And also, we can all look back now. You know, the biggest, most important periods of growth in anyone's life come from the worst time digging yourself out of a hole. And if you never have a hole to dig out of, then 
you know, I know lots of people that have never had a hole to dig yeah. out of, and they're not having the best experience. Not I that agree. I'm wishing bad things on people or you, but that's it, it though. That's it. You you in doing all that work, yes. in having all those scars, in having all that dirt smeared on your face, yes. You understand the whole process, and there's some element of that, and maybe this is also just the coping process, but there's some element of that that allows you to sort of back out from it a little bit and see a bigger picture, and that leads me to the other book. Uh, I, I don't know if this is going to sound crazy to you guys, but are you familiar with the book The Little Prince? Absolutely. Yeah. Reread it. Yeah, good. It, I've, when I read that for the first time, I felt like the alien. Yeah. Like I was exploring a lonely galaxy just trying to find some sort of meaning. Yes. And now I feel like the narrator. Mm, you know? And good. like that a little bit of me is that guy. Yes. There's a little bit of me that's still trying to figure it out sure. and still trying to bounce around and still trying to see what the universe has to offer and yep. still trying to to make those friendships and those relationships and and make meaning. But there's also another part of me that's I can take a step back and see the whole thing. And it fucked me up. Like it was an afternoon read. I was like, you know what? Like, I think they were doing a a, a live production of it, maybe at the Guthrie. Mm. And I, I saw it and like at that point it was like literally on its last show and it was sold out. And I went to it. Oh, awesome. Was it was it wonderful? It was it was um it was it's a hard thing to portray. I can't imagine. Yeah. That was part of the reason I didn't really fight for it because yeah. I'm like I'm having trouble even imagining how that I went would work. to it with Stephanie March and Molly Herman and um both just wonderful humans. Wonderful humans. And we I, I appreciated the way that they they did it and of course the actors were incredible. Yeah. Um but yeah, I loved it, but I I love the book more. I just rereading it. Like I got really choked up and, and teared up because there's a part of me that can now like back away from the whole thing mm -hmm. and understand that this is it, like, it's all a saga That's right. and, and enjoying that whole thing and, and being there for it, like wherever I am in it, just understanding, like, you know, you can, you can paddle upstream on a river, but you don't change the current. Like just being a part of that is actually kind of a beautiful thing. Yes. And it like, I, I don't know, man, it like, I'm to the point where like I've doodled out a few little Prince tattoos Good. that like may end up just being on me yeah. because I, I fucking love that. Yep. And it was like, I don't know. It was going back and looking at things that meant a lot to you. You know, again, when you had 12 total options and two of the 12 are the most important things in the world. <laughs> now that you have 10,000 yeah. going back and looking at those two from the original 12, it's mm -hmm. fascinating to see where they fit into like the, the puzzle of your heart now. And it's kind of beautiful because they, at least from in my experience, they still, they still own a giant, a, a bigger chunk than maybe they should, because of the effect that they had on on young me, and it's it's just fucking awesome. I don't know. It's it's, I've just felt so like kind of light, and I think about both of those books more than I have in the last 15, 20 years. Mm. They're going to be with you forever. I, Absolutely, they will. I love that. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about nostalgia lately because of my mom yeah. dying and revisiting, you know, all these photos and these pictures of when, you know, my sister and I were little and when my son was little and nostalgia, 
you know, is kind of a double-edged sword. It's super fun, and it's really sad both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, have to, I have to dip back in with a little bit of care. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy it, and I, I don't want to let it go. Um, but I do have to, you know, dip into a book like that or an experience like that or music or even fragrance yep. or food that really conjures, you know, some of those times that are past and dip in lightly. I like to think yeah, of it that way sure. because it, it does have the ability to create this, you know, this sense of sadness because you can't go back and do things differently with the knowledge that you have now. Yeah. And, and you can't go back at all. What am I saying? I mean, you can't go back at all. And those times are past and it's gone. So I love that you're doing that and you can have a new interpretation of it. And then um, I love to do that. And then I love to get the fuck out of there because yeah. otherwise yeah. it starts to like mm. take me down. I it, even it, had to put like it almost met- photos metastasizes. Away. It does. Like you can, you can get stuck in that swamp and never get out. Totally get stuck. Yeah. And so it, it is a dip in lightly thing. Um, but I love it. I like to see the difference, you know, like, oh, I can look back at this period of time and I can look back at that book and see it through these new eyes. I don't think I do that enough. Not with books anyways. Mm -hmm. It's maybe something that I could stand to do a little more of. Can I, can I short dumb story? So my, my mom just had my cousins in town. Long story, my aunt passed away when I was a kid, uh, had three kids, and they lived in Ohio. My mom promised to always be the Minnesota conduit mm. so that no matter what, they could always remember that like the extended family is from Minnesota. So my youngest cousin, Chris, was in town, and I, we went over to my mom's house, and of course, as she always does, there's like a box of stuff that somehow, I've taken everything out of that fucking house, but somehow there's always like, I found another box of like your things. <laughs> I found a I found a short story that I wrote. Point of pride. It has nothing to do with the contest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, I, I, I found a short story that I wrote in fourth grade <laughs> where uh, I, I it was, if you could have a time machine, what would you do? And this entire story was about going back and going to uh, the play with uh, President and Mrs. Lincoln. Whoa. And when John Wilkes Booth came in, I folded the the program for the play into a paper airplane and I threw it and the paper airplane gave him a paper cut and he dropped his pistol. And, I was and then like, you saved Lincoln? I, I saved Lincoln. Oh my God, you <laughs> saved Lincoln. Like, this, is a, this is a handwritten out three-page story. Wow. Which crazy for like fourth grade. Like the most flowery cursive I've ever seen. Like yeah. if I didn't sign it at the end, I almost would not have believed that I wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, it was, again, it was just such a, like, what a fucking beautifully innocent, like, because I, there's, there's nothing about slavery, there's nothing about the horrors of what was going on, it was just like, oh, he dropped his gun, and then they grabbed him and took him out, and then we all high-fived, and he said, sir, and he put his little stovepipe out of my head, oh my and then God. I leaped back to the future, and everything was cool. Everything gonna, was cool. And it was, it was just really rad, like, being like, look at little fucking wide-eyed me. Thinking like that's all that had to happen, and then everything still just and then we would have been fine, and then the world would have been better. Yep. Yeah, Aww. I'm gonna counter that with something that's <laughs> it's definitely meaner, but it's not hashtag too soon. <laughs> Splitter sent me a meme the other day that said nobody talks about this, but when Abe Lincoln got shot, shot, you know his hat went flying. <laughs> <laughs> 
flying. And then I told him, like, uh, I picture it kind of like not going end over end, but kind of like flying down. No, you know, no, like a no, stove, no. <laughs> like a stove pipe. No. Oh, man. That's right. Oh, man. Yep. That's right. There it is. I love it. Um, hey, cheers, cheers to that. Yes. Oh, well, okay, two things. Cheers. And to great yes. teachers. Let's yes. Cheers. And to great teachers. Absolutely. <laughs> but two things. I had a little of the Pernod remaining, so I had mm. to uncrack some jars here, and I uh-huh. take some radish and get that tuna butter. Tuna butter. Man, I just want that, I want that tuna butter spread on a crostini so sharp it can cut my mouth yeah. with some chives on top. That's it. Like, yeah. I'll eat that whole, whole jar. Mm. Just, oh, my God. It's so good. Um, and then, Quam. Yeah? If you could tell us about what we're drinking now from our fine sponsors at Beam Suntory. Beam Suntory. Uh, this is the Tres Generaciones Reposado. Um, I love their entire line. I've always loved it. Uh, especially since they redesigned it into the sexy new bottle. Uh, I think that was a couple of years ago. They did yeah, the redesign. Great bottle. It, it is an iconic look, but what I really love about it, actually going back to when we were talking about scents, there is such a rich vanilla note totally. on this that mm. it, it's it. like a little hug on the inside. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. The agave, like it, you know, because agave and honey get used so like interspersely, like to me, there's, that that rich depth that you get from any recipe that you make with agave or honey, that's in there. Where like white sugar is sort of that bright top note, this has that rich underpinning that almost gets underneath the vanilla. And I, I absolutely adore that. Uh, if you want to look at pretty, like dollar for dollar, this is a pretty affordable bottle for something that is absolutely incredible in the quality. Like, this to me, it's a, a nice pale yellow when you pour it, but it belies how deep that flavor gets. Like I just really enjoy this. I've made cocktails with it, but honestly, I don't like to. Um, if I'm going to make a cocktail with anything from them, I do the blanco. This to me, it's what some añejos aspire to be in in its like its rich draw. It's got a really silky mouthfeel to it, and it's just. It's beautiful, especially for us here in Minnesota. Like, we're starting to flirt with some really cold temperatures. Yes. I had to scrape frost off my windshield for the first time. Yes. This is the antithesis to that. This is like, I take a sip of that and all my windows just de- defrost. <laughs> yeah. You know? Go, you it can watch a, out the window and see them go. Yeah. Just, yeah. It does have a dark honey note. Like yeah. A distinguished, like, basswood honey. Yeah, yeah. Note. You know, it's you can taste the plants from which the... The, the proverbial honey was harvested. It's not just the flavor of like yeah. honey bear honey. Correct. Yeah, yeah, But I like that. It's like a very rich note of honey and that cool vanilla characters. And that's, I, I think that's probably why I'm reluctant to make it into cocktails. I've, I, I actually made a, a pretty delicious old fashioned with this uh, about a week oh, ago. I, I really that. love that. And I, I honestly didn't use any sugar. Um, and I, I really thought that that actually expressed itself sort of in the way that I enjoy, where there's enough sweetness to keep me coming back, but yeah, it's not like cloying. That's yeah. totally my jam. Um, but past that, I really like, I think that, um, I think that citrus kind of stomps on it. And as much as I love. I make a Negroni mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, yeah. That would be, Donnie that'd be would great. I, I would love that. Yep. Um, I, I just want, it, it's, it's such a beautiful lead singer. I don't want to bury it in the. Yeah, definitely a sipper. Yeah. Beautiful bottle. Yeah, check it out. But yeah, 
go grab one uh, again. Everything in the Beam Centauri family is incredible, but this is one of my faves, and I've honestly been holding this one for a little while Aww. until uh, until we had a guest that kind of I thought it would work with, ah, and this was just a guess, but uh, especially after what you brought, like yes. to me, this just seems right. Yay! Link in description in our. Um or a description. Link, link and... <laughs> I heard link in description. I heard link in. I thought it was a flying top hat. Exactly. Sorry. In our right. description. <laughs> the description is in our description. <laughs> I just pictured the cork, like, flipping <laughs> off the bottle. It's so fucked up. <laughs> My hats were flying. And that's the John Wilkes truth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charles. And his hat went flying. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Charles. I think <laughs> I think you're up because I'm gonna go grab some of this tuna butter. Oh uh, yeah, have Please some tuna do. butter. All right, topic number four. Okay, uh, Stephanie, if you could insert any new or unorthodox dish into a holiday to turn it into a new tradition, what would it be, and for what holiday? Oh, that's fun. Well, I just cooked my brains out for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. I made dinner for 17 people, even though I was so tired, but it was really, I mean. Stop the presses. Get the fuck out of here. This tuna butter is insane. Oh, good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Proceed. Keep going. Um, I feel like you need to do like a pork rillette tuna butter uh, oh, like face bit. off. Oh, I was going to say, are you putting them on the same one? No, if Lander don't put by them on sea, the same one. If Lander like, by sea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A little surf and turf. She's laughing because it's a weird suggestion. <laughs> yeah, <ooh. laughs> You can charge double if you do that. Tuna butter pork, we had surf and turf. Oh my God, that makes my life. That makes my life. I'm sorry. Uh, You can edit this part out. Oh my God. People are not allowed to laugh at my jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and think of that and laugh. Surf and turf. My God. Okay, that was amazing. So, okay, unorthodox. Oops the mic um or new like or yeah. new so uh it was so funny this year for thanksgiving i felt like <laughs> i i like to make new things for thanksgiving actually mm-hmm. and do kind of like i i want it to be a mix of things i want it to be obviously rich but i want to add some lighter things to it too it's that the meal isn't just a total gut bomb yeah. um but because i think my mom had just passed away I was, like, so nostalgic for all this, like, weird 1970s casserole stuff that I don't even like that much. I, I do. Okay. My mom used <laughs> to make some of it. Yeah. But um, it was really funny to be in a conversation with the rest of my my three other siblings my and my stepmom, and they were just not going there with me. They're like, do <laughs> we? Is that what we want? Whatever. So, um the one thing that I ended up adding, which isn't that unorthodox, but um, I'm such a fan of cabbage, and Ooh, I inserted uh, a braised cabbage into the meal, nice. which nobody thought they were going to like. Everyone was giving it the thumbs down, like, why Why yeah. are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being, it's a great foil for a rich meal, so that's yeah. not that unorthodox. Um 
it is for my family. Just we hadn't necessarily done that before. So that was cool. Um, I don't know. I think I'd put tuna butter on the appetizer yeah, plate for why not? Uh, for anything. Um, and uh, put the tuna butter on a turkey so it would taste like something. Tuna butter? Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to call that? You're going to call that? That could be a form of surf and turf as well rub it under the skin or whatever right? and make oh it taste God. like a real animal that would be i mean i add fish surf sauce to gravy do you ever do that do what a little splash of like fish sauce to gravy i add fish sauce to a lot of things never to my gravy because yeah. i have like a tried and true tradition of making a smoked turkey stock for oh the yeah gravy that well, I make. then, then you've got plenty I mean, of savory but yeah. if, you, if you've got a, a gravy that isn't you know quite cutting it um mm. a splash of fish sauce is really cool That's so like the turkey or the tuna butter under the turkey skin would be yeah. sort of Ooh, yeah. that same feel so i like that idea yeah um but i like to bend rules and come up with a new twist and really my most unorthodox thing lately i would say is that i've been really experimenting with um with paring down to essence and i mean i love to cook with a lot of layers and you know to build flavor you know over the course of cooking a dish and i've done a lot of recipe development for um people that you know want to make rather rich complex things and i i love doing that too but because the people that i'm working with are you know they're trying to figure out how to eat food that they really enjoy in a relatively short period of time it's been good for my cooking to um to really just like cut and cut and cut and pare back which you can do if you've got great ingredients Mm -hmm. um and and that's sort of been my experiment lately so that braised cabbage that I made for Thanksgiving I decided to cook it without any fat at all because, mm. you know, the rest of the meal right. has plenty. <laughs> and um, and yeah. I hadn't done Napa that before. Or I did red cabbage okay. and uh, didn't add fat. And so I just tossed in onion and apple cider vinegar mm. and sugar mm. and some warm spices like allspice sure. and, you know, did a a little I bit of caraway. I did not do star. Ooh, I love the caraway in there. Though. Amazing. You know, you're yeah. talking to my people now. This yes. is with this is a dish right. that I'm expecting. Cabbage. Love caraway. Ooh. My stepmom doesn't love it, so I just I ground it up in the coffee grinder without telling anybody yeah. and just <laughs> threw it in there. Like toasted sure. it first and then As ground we do. it. Mm-hmm. Threw it in. Washed the coffee grinder out. Hello to my family that I hey. didn't tell that I did that too. <laughs> um, but I love caraway, and so that. That was great and and so pared back. But I it's not, you know, pared back in the nouvelle cuisine sort of way. Although I like that idea of taking, you know, taking these rules and breaking them. Yeah. And um but I, I really have been sort of so even with that tuna butter, like the first time I made it, it probably had more seasoning in it and I've just been kind of paring it back. And the pork riette could have had you know toasted coriander seeds in it it could have had um rosemary in it and i cut those things out and just kept it to really good pork and i did i like allspice and nutmeg i put those two things in it um 
but that's kind of it. And so that's been my rule breaking lately has just been how far can I pair back and have it still taste really great. Have have you ever in your entire career mm-hmm. read of an author that talked about their editor saying, I need more flowery prose? Right. Exactly. Never. Never. It's always it edit, is. edit, edit. It is. And as somebody that just ate both of those. Yeah. I really kind of feel like anything else is going to stomp on the beauty of what's going on oh, there. So nice. Thank I, you. I also can honestly say I don't know that I have ever put a roasted grape on a pork rat. Mm. And that is life changing. I, I am, didn't put anything on the grapes either. Uh, like I used to roast them with, you know, fresh thyme and I put other things sure. on there. And this time I just did salt and olive oil. I my 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 brain has reshuffled what we need when it comes to things. And I'm honestly so thankful that you brought this, but also kind of blown away that I have never put those two things together in my head and now they will forever be linked. So do, do a grape plus a little bit of mustard. Oh, that, that, that will that? be, I did not. Okay. That will be next. Do, do it. <laughs> there, there will be more. Oh this is God. not the end of my Let me snacking. Let how facility. to eat it. I can be like my bossy best self. Let's that would go. Be so amazing. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, that's, so kind of ultimate for me, like if you can do that, those grapes get really syrupy and mm-hmm. they're a little salty and then you've got the pork and then you've got the grainy, whatever mustard I bought, I really like, I just, you mm, know, let's go picked one up, but, um, anyway, do that. And then cool. This can be an ongoing thing. There are, there are some like little flatbread situations in oh, yeah. that one, uh, that one court can spoiled us. This is quite amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for bringing this stuff. This is awesome. My pleasure. To all of our listeners, we are trying our best to eat off Mike. (laughs) I don't want to be crunching. Mike is very uncomfortable. Oh, sorry. The microphone. (laughs) 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 I'm just setting it on top and then eating it off of the top of the mic. Uh, I don't even, what's our question? What are we even talking about? I don't even remember. Talking about, oh. Yes, we're talking about like uh, creating a new tradition or yeah. unorthodox tradition for a holiday, and like what holiday that would be. It doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. Which I think just my passed. new tradition is like pairing shit back mm-hmm. because sure. we've all done the first Thanksgiving meal I ever made. I I spent a week making dinner. I had a blast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was way too many things. Who cares? Everything was way too rich. Who cares? I had a fucking blast. It was all delicious. Great. And now that I'm older and wiser and more experienced, I'm that's that's really where my experimentation is right now. And you know what it has done is made me love eating out more. Mm. Because I'm like, I'm gonna let restaurants do the crazy shit. And I'm going to go out and eat the things that I'm not going to make for myself. Yeah. And that sort of dance of I'm going to go have, you know, even even the steak, you know, even the steak that has True. that depth of char that they can do and whatever. Um, prime rib when you want it on prime, demand. Right. I'm just not, <laughs> yeah, you know, my mom used to do prime rib, but I'm, I have, n- I've actually never made a prime rib. Mm. Um, I love to do it, but it's, that's a lot of fuss. Yeah. It's, it's a like lot my of wife fuss. And, I, right? We and, just, right. Right. and then and you just left like that, on demand. Oh my God. Yeah. You can go to Jack's and have mm. prime rib. Right. I mean, I'm really sort of in that dance right now of, Hey, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat the food that has this 
beautiful. I mean, I appreciate it because I've done all these things. I've spent four days making a cassoulet and, right. you know, doing right. every element of it. I love doing stuff like that. But um, I'm kind of on a little bit of a different journey right now, just on the on the pairing back journey. And how okay. far can I take it back and still think it tastes great? Sometimes yeah. I go too far and yeah. I'm like, eh. Is a little bit of that give the people what they want because I have made Thanksgiving. This is the first year in over 20 years that I didn't cook Thanksgiving. I saw you said that. Family. And uh-huh. There was one year where I got really experimental after experimenting with experimentation <laughs> and I just went like way off the books because I wanted to do more like what would have been eaten here before the fucking pilgrims ruined everything. And I was doing like a lot of seafood and things that were foreign to ah. my, they didn't, my family didn't fully understand why we were eating some of the things we were eating. Mm. The other thing is if you make too many things, then what can fit on the plate? Yeah. You know, you have a random number of things that are completely devoured and right. a random number of things that have mm. not been touched. Yep. And then that's just going to make the cook angry. Right? True. So it's part of it. Cause now I understand that, Hey man, the family wants the hits. They want the Betty Crocker stuffing, like the weird stuffing that I eat cold and I don't understand why I'm enjoying myself, but I am. Like I told Marty, it's because MSG. It's one of those foods where I'm like, why am I eating this? It's bad, and it's I didn't even microwave it. Oh, I love cold stuffing. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm fucking like, love cold stuffing. It, I'm holding it like it's a sandwich, totally. but it's not nope. a sandwich. Oh, I want to eat it with my hands. <laughs> nope. I love that. Yeah. So but you're right. If you look at it on paper, it's kind of disgusting. But yeah, yeah. it's part of it appealing to like giving the people what they want. Also with paring it down. You bet. Um, it, like pare it down. It's giving the people what they want, but it's also like I feel driven to demonstrate to people that you do not have to spend hours following a recipe, which is fun. And I yeah. love to do also I write cookbooks, so please do that. But yeah. you know, doing that, um but oh my god, you can make a delicious food in 15 minutes and Mm -hmm. and this idea that you can't and that it has to be takeout and you have to let you know all of your health goals go by the wayside because you you know healthy food is bad food we drill that into our kids when we you know say oh eat this because it's healthy and it's it's things that kids don't like yet it's you know veggies that um probably aren't very well cooked or well seasoned and Mm. it's you know fruit that is out of season Mm -hmm. you know eat these sour raspberries these are these are healthy bad first impressions right (laughs) bad first impressions and so um i i like to break you know those ideas for people and and create things but i i don't want there's a lot of really bland recipes out there there's a lot of simple food that's pretty terrible so I'm I'm trying to you know walk that line of simplicity but deliciousness. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So for me, I mean, there's a, a couple quick answers. Like, fuck turkey, roast two chickens. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Just fucking do that. That just please do that. You got to daily double daily double yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Okay, like that's just a quick like uh, just get <laughs> get away from that shit. Like <laughs> man. Fucking bring back like goose or duck or some shit if you want to do something traditional for Christmas. It's, another, it's do like that. one of those things. Give the people what they want, and like everyone's asking for turkey, and I can't understand why. So, so, so wait, let me just ask: Do you not like turkey, either of you? I revile turkey. Really? I think I think turkeys. Listen, it's, it's a cop out. Tell you what, I want to fight a turkey, and I murmur, want to let it beat me murmur. so that it doesn't die, and someone has to eat it. 
That's how much I hate dirt. I'm I'm not quite to that level, but I will say that everyone gives up on it. We spend all of our time coming up with side dishes to make the turkey taste better. Sure. Because nobody wants to give it the time. If you don't give a fuck about the protein, then get rid of the protein and let's come up with something that tastes better. Yeah. A roast chicken is always better than a roast turkey. There has never been a time in history, including if you fucking Cajun deep fat fry that turkey, right? the chicken's going to be better. Yeah. So, cool. Just Can do it. Yes. Can yeah. You, can you eat it? Can you make it palatable? Sure. Sure. But there do are it every year. Birds that could be better. Because actually, Sammy is another one who's like, "Come on, man, you eat turkey," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll eat the turkey begrudgingly." Yeah. Like I'm like putting it in my mouth and like kind of grimacing. Yep. Really? It's fine, yeah. but it's. I'd rather that it was a duck or chicken, a yep. goose, a anything, Cornish hen, a partridge. Every other member of the family. Yeah, I'll eat a sparrow. I'll eat better. an ostrich. Whatever. Just put all that shit like, aside. I okay. There's there's really are two things. One, I've talked about it at length on this show that I love my Norwegian burrito. You roll it up with lefsa. Yeah. I switched it up this year. I started making lefsa tacos. My Norwegian burrito. That's right, girl. <laughs> Stuffed to the brim. Uh, with with jazz hands. See jazz hands. You gotta you gotta get the the spirit fingers. Spirit fingers gotta go. I thought we were cheerleaders together. Come on, I was fucking spirit fingers. So literally, I uh, I made I made lefsa tacos with yeah. leftovers, delicious. And what that got me to was do more interesting shit with leftovers. Let's okay. make flatbreads. Let's make pizzas. Let's make salads. Let's do like I'm okay, sorry. Right. If I see one more person post a recipe for how to just put your Thanksgiving leftovers in between two slices of bread (laughs) and act like you're fucking reinventing the wheel. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit like... People that yeah. shouldn't be that eager to post that. There are people chain that, restaurants that do this year round. Correct. <laughs> there, there is literally a sub sandwich place yeah. whose entire ethos is built on the fact that they have a Thanksgiving sub year round. Yet every fucking holiday, I watch people post these like, check out what I did. You just took everything from your plate. <laughs> you put it between two slices <laughs> of white bread <laughs> and then you mushed it and you ate it. There are all kinds of cool things that you can do. I'm into all of the things. Like in my my family, my in-laws, we do stuffing from the box. We do my wild rice dressing. We do corn. We do gravy. We do mashed potatoes. We do all. There are yep. so many different ways you can go with that. Like take the potatoes as the base. Make some potato pancakes with all the rest of the leftovers pressed into it. Go the taco route. Go straight up. Like get a flatbread. Gravy's the sauce. Build something up there and have something like do anything different than that around Christmas, depending on what your family's tradition is. Do the same thing. We overeat on all of those every time. So if we have all this excess food, do something fun with it instead of being like, oh, I'm on day three of these leftovers. It goes from the most excitement ever to people hate posting their leftovers like oh, I'm finally finishing this out. Eh. I also want to kick it back because, Charles, you tried. Big Sandwich Day needs to be. You did try to do it for wrestling. Yep, and, and I unfortunately, I had, I had family Let's, stuff we'll going it. on. We'll do it sometime. But we are big going to do day. Big Sandwich Day. Stephanie, I want to, again, I just I want to invite you I, and I'm also preach this. Know. What is Big Sandwich Day? So Big Sandwich Day started with a tweet from somebody whose dad 
wanted to get everybody involved in eating leftovers because none of the kids ate leftovers. And after so Thanksgiving. Yeah, after Thanksgiving, he called it Big Sandwich Day where everybody had to make their dream sandwich in using some of these leftovers. And then everybody made their dream sandwich. We have now taken that. And we want to have a holiday I think it's where become, I think it's become kind of a thing. It's well, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. Kind of becoming thing. I'm going to pretend I don't know anyone that's we're in my circle that's own. currently doing it. So, so we're going to fucking start here. The Minneapolis chapter of Big Sandwich Day is we get together for a reason. We figure out what the reason is. Really pretty, of course. Okay. And yeah, then you bring your <laughs> big sandwich. Big sandwich. Mm. And it has to be something that we can slice so we can all share it so everybody can basically like you get to try everyone's dream sandwich. That's what the fuck I want. Do you guys know the the Silver Palette cookbook? I do not. No. Silver Palette? The Silver Palette. This is like a a 1990s stalwart. And it is based out of a shop that doesn't exist anymore, but it was in Manhattan called the silver palette and was like a you know a, an amazing takeout kind of place and then the two ladies that owned it um wrote this cookbook and they have a big sandwich in this cookbook every mm. there's you should look at this cookbook because you would realize how many things that you love to eat are from that and how many restaurants have riffed on it and yeah, it's just okay. a classic love it um but they have a big sandwich rave like you know of taking all the things and putting them together and just you know creating something giant and then sharing it slicing it you know turning it into a buffet sort of situation all right so, so you're in I know. you're I'm already totally in. in all right Are let's go kidding? so we're gonna figure this out we gotta figure out uh, a date that that doesn't have a a, a family related holiday sure. near it. Yeah, no. We it pick a day and we have Big Sandwich Day big sandwich because to day. me it it just needs to happen. Because to me, like, what better than like I'm gonna make the recipe that I said on the MJ Matheson episode. Yep, and I I Tell have I have is. perfected my recipe. Real I've tried quick, it out at home quick so that we don't just talk about Big Sandwich Day for the next hour. But uh, <laughs> fried, we will. Which is fried chicken possible. livers mm-hmm. with basically a fatouche on it, and then uh, uh, harissa mayonnaise. Ugh. I think a couple other things, but Dog. yeah, like deep, like uh, cracker crispy cornbread fried chicken livers. I have it's and stuff. Oh my yeah. god! Imagine like the craziest, sexiest Italian sub ever with a whipped muffaletta and cornichon dressing. Yeah. And then a steeped, yeah, right. a steeped olive oil. I can find yours because was in my notes. Yeah, a steeped olive oil and uh, homemade uh, wine vinegar. Done. Like that's like, let's fucking uh, go. Yeah, party. Yeah. So anyway, Super that's exciting. So that's like, be more creative with leftovers from existing holidays. Let's make Big Sandwich Day a thing and let's spread it. Like shout out to all of our homies in the Netherlands. You're you're a new country on our radar as far as ratings go to all of our homies in Ireland and Australia. Right? Let's let's make yes. Big Sandwich Day a worldwide thing. Yes. <laughs> Even if you have don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. It's we'll just a big sandwich day. Yeah. Day do it in sandwich. April. Like no, I don't care. Sandwiches. Big yeah, shawarma day, let's go. Big shawarma. Uh, oh, I want big shawarma day. I want big shawarma day every day, which is could be a problem for my diet. Uh, yeah. So Charles. Yeah. So to quote Kylo Ren, I know what I need to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. There've been rumblings. <laughs> there've been rumblings of that. I've been seeing sort of in the, the food verse chef verse of social media 
surrounding this Thanksgiving saying like, why don't we make fried chicken instead of turkey? It's way more delicious. Kind of, I got semi-sniped by Guam's <laughs> 19 yep. answers. But I hate turkey. It's actually the thing I've got the most hate mail for on the show. Facts. Is people being like, what's your problem? I love turkey. Charles really? at LivationsForEveryone.com, by the huh. way. If you're mad about this, it's okay. We can have a conversation. But, man, I think I'm going to do it. I think next year, whether or not I cook, if I cook, I hope my family doesn't listen to this. They must. I don't think my family does listen to this show. Fuck you, but, JP. <laughs> but... I think if I'm doing it, I'm going to be like, psych, I made fried chicken. If it's someone else making it, I just think I'm going to make really good fried chicken and then be like, which one do you want? Hey, yep. Jim, my father-in-law. Hey, Jim, you want some fried chicken or you want some I'm not going to lie to you. I might do the same. <laughs> we might pinky swear on this go. right now. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I got banned from doing turkey because my father-in-law uh, said that my turkey was the best turkey he'd ever had. And my mother-in-law was immediately like, all right, you're not doing turkey anymore. If I do fried chicken, it, that counts. There, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's a side. It's different. It's, it's a the side, side to bird. the turkey. No one's going right. to eat turkey if there's it's fried the chicken bird. available. Oh my God. It's the side bird. <laughs> Let me get another side of that fried chicken. <laughs> oh my God. That is. It must be a side. I put gravy all over right? it. It's a side. <laughs> what if this is the end of turkey? Maybe. I hope. Oh man. Could I, be. The week of Thanksgiving, I, I just started a new job. Make note of this date. And the week of Thanksgiving, I literally spent every single account I went into having conversations about like wine and spirits and just doing my thing. And then sure. I was like, hey, real quick, um, <laughs> if you, okay, do you like turkey? Most people would be like, yes. Some people said no. I'm like, all right, for the people that said yes. But wouldn't you rather just have like roast or fried chicken? I have yet to find somebody that said no. True. Everybody was like, well, yeah, if it's between the two, of course. Well, the best answer is. But nobody say, makes that. The best answer is when they say, well, I can do that any day of the year. Yeah, you can have a big shitty roasted turkey any day. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> They're in the right? grocery freezer. Right? They're like, there all the time. Name, name a right. fruit or a vegetable that right. gets better if it's bigger. They don't. Or the flavor just eat one day a year. Otherwise, you don't enjoy it. Right. Get the fuck out of here. It's also true right? of nope. chickens. Yep. It's bigger true. chickens are not better. They're not better. They're not better. They're not They're better. Not. So They're a turkey worse. is just an even bigger one. Like <laughs> fuck out of here. Oh. I am the only thing that gets better with size. Please let me have that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, a turkey is like a chicken that found a mutagen. It's like super shredded. Yes, exactly. You know what has really harmed my taste for turkey? I like turkey, okay. like, but I only like it on the day. It's very strong tasting as leftovers. I'm, I'm not a big fan of leftover turkey, but um, the, <laughs> the, the infestation of wild turkeys into the city of Minneapolis has definitely kind of taken away my taste for turkey. I feel like, you know, is this... It's kind of they like to bully squirrel-ish. Too. What did you say? Squirrelish. Yes. They like to bully children. They are. They're like they ugly dinosaurs. They're really ugly, and I'm like, I didn't need to see these turkeys. Yeah. And they're taking away, you know, they're taking away my taste for it. Um, turkeys are dicks. I, I guess I'm not that interested in eating invasive species and that's kind of what it feels like right now so asshole animal i went to this dinner one time at the university of minnesota that was uh basically invasive species of fish that they were trying to sort of you know and stuff sure make Mm -hmm. you know taste better and and it's tough when you know that it's an invasive species it definitely the deliciousness goes away i understand (laughs) the ecological factors and that it's a good thing yes it it should be good too i think that we're hopefully finding ways to make 
more of those things taste good so that we can help that was the point the of the problem. dinner and it was like all the chefs in town you know each prepared these various things yeah and whatever yeah, but for sure um, we're gonna get wild boars but i struggled i know they're i read down. about that they're coming down from they're canada like, quite the spoiler the other day it was like a new star wars movie yeah speaking of kylo ren they're like the border coming they're coming <laughs> and the they're saskatoon they're rough nightmare. riders <laughs> yeah, this, the, yeah, the Rough Riders are coming for us. Yeah, that's the, it's, that's the, the Saskatoon. The I, I, <laughs> when you said that, the only other team that I knew, I had the entire Canadian football team in my restaurant right, once, right. the Saskatoon Rough Riders. Yeah. And as soon as I saw like the picture of the wild boar coming down from Canada, I'm like, the Rough Riders are invading. invading. I texted my chef from that night because she yeah. still remembers it. Oh, like, my God. That's that a thing. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers wow. to Wild Boar, <laughs> Wild Carp, and the Northeast Turkey Gang, as we affectionately call them. Wow. Let's eat our all. invasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did have a, there was a turkey gang. This was a long time ago. This is the first time I saw the, the situation <laughs> with wild turkeys. And people were like, there was a Facebook page called the Northeast Turkey Gang. This is for Northeast Minneapolis. Sure. If you're listening from somewhere beyond here. Yes. And I was like, I've never seen these turkeys. And I was at this cafe uh, called Hazel's. Oh, I love and that place. And I was waiting for a table because it used to be really packed all the time. And I was drinking a mug of coffee by a huge plate glass window. Yes. And I saw a lady <laughs> running down the street <gasps> with like eight turkeys chasing her. Ah! And I've never laughed. So, I've never laughed so hard holding a mug of coffee. Dude, for me. real. She was like, ah! <laughs> she lost him in this like, the stairwell of a funeral home. Oh my! Of a yeah, right, it, right across oh the street God. from Hazel's. Yeah, yes. I didn't. I didn't have to save her because she was. But I was like, "What is?" It didn't register at first. Right, like, right. Also, <laughs> shout out to an actual human being that gets to go home and say, "I got chased by a gang of turkeys in Northeast Minneapolis, ah. but I lost him in the parking lot of a funeral home." A funeral home. Like that sentence right there is perfect. No edits. Right. Nothing like that right there is like, "Yep, just oh, put that's it on." That's why you were t-shirt. late to work. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I love writing sentences that I never thought I would write. Every time I type something that I feel, or say something that yes. I feel like no one on earth has ever said, yes. I'm like, that's uh, a little win. Oh, you gotta look it back. totally, it charms me to no end. Yeah, you're immediately like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a weird one. Let's save that for later. <laughs> I, get, I get to go next. Most of my friends have said that about me at some point. Yeah, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. <laughs> save it for later. <laughs> Save it for later. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of friends. Um, so, Stephanie, I've known you for uh, a while. Yes. But I feel like, weirdly, I know your best friends yes. better than I know you. Oh. And that kind of popped me into this question. Sure. Because uh, all of us in this room, being of a certain age, uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. We've talked about it a little bit on this show, Charles. Mm. There's lots of articles about like these epidemics of of loneliness and mm-hmm. people having trouble connecting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've always admired about you is the way that your friends who I maybe know a little bit better than you talk about you. Like when unprompted when friends shine on other friends, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Absolutely. And as I've grown, I've noticed my thoughts on, on friendship changing. And I kind of wanted to ask like, where are you on that spectrum first with like friends in your world? And then second, uh, especially with how interactive you are with the people that read your blog and subscribe and then do one-on-one sessions, Mm -hmm. where do you sit on like making new friends at this stage in life? Mm, That is 
such a good question because I I had this conversation a lot over the holidays because uh, my family has gotten to know my friends so well. Sure. Um, for you know, just because you know of interacting um, here in the Twin Cities, and then my son got married uh, a year ago in October, and my friends from here traveled to Denver for the wedding yeah, and, and blew everyone's faces off. I mean, it was so incredible. We had this family dinner, um, where it was like the parents and grandparents. We had this early dinner at like 5 PM. And then we hosted the night before the wedding, a party for everyone. And they had a big wedding. It was more than 200 people. And so we had this big like cocktail party basically after that. And I walked into that room and they were already there and, and my heart exploded. I mean, I could see them, uh, charming everyone, you know, they're all divided and they're talking to my aunts, my uncles, my former in-laws, my former neighbors um, and just doing their hospitalitarian thing and, you know, bringing, you know, water to my stepmom and, you know, getting a glass of wine for whatever. They already were just like managing the party. And so anyway, it was, it was really amazing. And they made a giant impression on any, on everyone then. And then again with my mom's, uh, memorial. Um, so I don't know <laughs> is really the answer. No, it's sort of like. That's actually an answer, though. It began. It's so funny that you said Hazel's. So it began with Twitter, really. I started writing about food for Minnesota Monthly in 2010. And and that's when I, that was the beginning of Instagram. And, yeah. um, and it was also really when I started uh, showing up on Twitter. So. To back up a little bit, when I started my blog in 2006, somewhere in there, like I'm going to say 2009 or something like that, I went to uh, a big blogging conference called Blog Her. (laughs) And I don't know if that still exists, but it was a giant organization then. So I went to this Blog Her conference in San Francisco, and I met several bloggers from Minnesota who I'd never met when I was in Minnesota. So I came back and I thought that's so crazy that I met these people while I was in San Francisco. And so I talked to my friend, um, Jill, who at the time owned cafe 128, which is now Gus Gus. And, and I said, let's do a party for people that blog in Minnesota. Okay. This is, this is before Instagram actually. So there's no influencers at this time. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, but I just wanted to meet people. And so we created a party, um, at cafe 128 and we came up with this idea, huge credit to her to charge like 10 bucks a person and, and take that money and just give it to the restaurant to, to donate to their favorite charity and then they would put out some food and do a cash bar. So they, they didn't have a ton of skin in the game, but it was yeah. a nice opportunity for them to maybe introduce, you know, a new restaurant or, yeah. a, sorry, a new, like, menu item or a new seasonal menu or whatever. 
So we did that at Cafe 128, and like 100 people showed up. And it was a blast. For all and of our listeners, 100, 100 people in that space is ah. absolutely packed. It was like packed. It's insane. It is such a beautiful, intimate space. Yes. In sort of the, cozy, the basement cozy, floor cozy. of yes. like a four-story apartment building. Sure. Like it's, it's one of those places that makes you, like if you told me, Sitting in that venue, well, especially for you and me, like we're tall enough, our heads are like, <laughs> right? like close a, to the ceiling. I'm, like I, I don't right. have to duck, but I kind of want to duck. <laughs> but you could, you could tell me that we were in Brooklyn, and I'd believe you. You could totally tell me that we were in San Francisco, and I'd believe you. Yes, it it has that that way of taking you out of your surroundings the minute the door closes behind you. That was it. Sorry, I just just wanted to jump in for our no. listeners. That paints a beautiful picture of exactly what the vibe was. It was so cozy and so warm, and and it was it was really a thing. It was really special. And so then we did the next one. I mean, it was a giant hit, and the restaurant loved it because all these people who had food blogs. There were a lot of people that had food food blogs back then because they right. didn't have Instagram accounts. Um, and people came and took photos and they wrote about it on their blog and whatever. And and it and it definitely gave a bump to the business. And so then the next one we did was at Corner Table when Scott Pompu owned it, like way back in the day. And we had an amazing party there. And he, uh, Dan Zeroth, who, you know, works for Revival still now. Also um, a very good friend. He's Love him amazing. To and so he was working there. And so he and Scott, just like their idea, which I didn't even know was going to happen, they, they said okay, you guys, we're going to let you all come into the kitchen and just cook. And people, there was one woman who like, who literally like elbowed Scott out of the way, like get the fuck out of my way, ran into the kitchen and we all cooked this food and like took pictures and whatever. That was amazing. Then we did one, uh, you know, at the local with Kieran, we did the strip club, we did every on restaurant basically at the time and it was really special and it was accidental influencers i mean we totally. had no idea what yeah. the hell we were doing yeah. but um through that process that is really how i got to know a lot of people so i will say that i met stephanie march off twitter we had our first date at hazel's mm. so when you said that i was like oh and i remember i stood up and she was like my God, you are tall, you know, because I'm so yeah. much taller than she is. And we, we yeah. hit it off and have been great friends ever since then. And ditto Joy Summers, who writes for the Star Tribune, and Molly Herman, who, you know, does the marketing at Malcolm Yards. And that group of ladies, um, that's really, we found each other, I think, through social media and through that. We called ourselves the Minnesota Food Bloggers. And then I changed the name to Fortify. Um, and it's still, it still ticks along on Facebook as a group. Um, I haven't actually hosted event an event for a long time, but, I, but so I did that. And that is really how I got to know a lot of these people. And it was through, you know, creating a gathering, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, of like-minded people and so now going forward, mm -hmm. like, do you still feel that like you you want to keep bringing more people totally. in? Like, yes, I I think that's an honest question. Like, yeah. a, as we get older, like, do you have bandwidth for more sure. humans in your world? Yeah, I mean, I seem to have. I'm a pretty extroverted person, so I have a pretty big bandwidth for stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't have time to uh 
you know, to spend the same amount of time on it that I used to, but, sure. but it still ticks along. I, 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 through the food community, which is, you know, everyone that I love and, and, you know, obviously you guys have the same, uh, friends and vibe and feel. I emceed a conference, um, like a month ago that was about food and, and most of the conference was very technical. Like it was venture capitalists and university professors and uh, researchers, kind of like uh, public policy people. And I loved it. And it made me realize how much I kind of missed my healthcare days when yeah. and I worked with, you know, had a PhD and an MD and it was very intellectual and I jam on that. But uh, the last conversation was um, uh, Belaine Rodriguez and Marco Zapia were being int- like interviewed about their entrepreneur, you know, endeavors and their small businesses, and and they were the ones that started talking about like their values and their mission and their you know their connection to people and the heart that they bring to it. And I was like, oh my God, I love this former, you know, kind of corporate intellectual life that I had. But the fact that they were the last two people, I'm like, yeah, these are my people. I like being in the food world. It's totally my jam. And I think that it's just very easy to make friends in this community. So, you know, everybody's so open-hearted and, you know, want to talk about, well, you know, like the sensual things and having these shared experiences and connecting over, you know, food and deliciousness and art and creativity. And that makes it pretty easy to meet people. So, so it keeps rolling. I love it. Yeah. Charles, I mean, semi new friend. We've talked a lot about our Mm -hmm. philosophies on friendship and, the interesting thing for me is I've always considered myself an ambivert, so I need to recharge my batteries, but I'm highly social. Mm-hmm. The difference is that newly 42, I turned 42 last week. Oh, happy the, birthday. Thank you. The interesting thing is that uh, I never changed, but everybody else did. So now I'm the m- most one of the most social people I know, like top five easy, because nothing about me has changed in that regard. Sure. I'm still incredibly highly social. I always want to do stuff. Some of my friends who used to be very social might find it like a bit intense at times. Mm. Like, you want to do stuff? No? Okay. Still no? All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, we're fortunate that the age, like the age that I am, I grew up through the no social media where you had to maintain very strong bonds, very intentionally. Now people maintain very weak bonds, like flex seal weak, like super fucking weak bonds like the weakest adhesive imaginable and then for many people that's enough like i know you exist you're there sort of humming in the background it's a little white noisy i can kind of see what you're doing if i care at all to see um but i worry that if the reason that society is going through sort of this like loneliness collapse sure. is partly due to the fact that uh, we've sort of lost that connection and the tools by which to create stronger cables between one another right to have more nourishing experiences i am fortunate to be a really highly social person and have skills that i developed in my younger years when i didn't have the tools that are available to us today 
uh, coupled with just the fact that I'm a very social human being. So it hasn't changed a lot. I would say the thing that's changed the most for me is quality of relationships. Um, I have I have a lot of friends. There's there's a, a massive quantity of people that I associate with socially, but there's a skew toward spending the most time with the people that uh, offer me the most like mental stimulation, emotional emotional satisfaction, sharing things in common that we like to do socially, and vice versa. So that's the only thing that's really changed about me as I've grown older. I really hope that we can figure out ways for people to connect with one another, particularly if this is a problem that it might be a generational issue with the ways that we connect with people has changed so much. So many people get to know one another now through a screen. Firstly, even people that know one another in real life don't get to know anything about one another outside of having seen it on a screen and then I think you talk about it whereas mm-hmm. it used to be sort of the inverse even at that inflection point where we started see th- seeing things about one another on screens but we were all very wary of showing too much of ourselves mm-hmm. so many of us had like a singular photo on our MySpace or something like that right you didn't say a whole lot about yourself you'd never post a video even if you could because it could be incriminating like those types of things now people just it's, it's honestly shocking the stuff that people put on the internet. I probably put stuff on the internet that would horrify me when I was, you know, 20 years old that I now put that out into the, the ethos for people to know about me. But it's kind of odd that some people see things about someone they might come, might come to know and they learn all these things about them. Mm-hmm. And then they have a conversation. They're like, here are 300 things I already know about you. Right. And they put out their hand to shake we don't really have a whole lot to talk about. And I don't know that that's symptomatic of that particular ailment, but I, I certainly hope that for society's sake <laughs> that we can learn to connect with each other yeah. again in the traditional fashion. The traditional fashion. The traditional fashion. The, the, the analog. fashioned <laughs> the way. Analog. I mean, yeah. I think that what you're describing is really striking me all of us have had the experience of getting to know people and developing really deep friendships before there was social media. And so then social media just became a faster way to get to know people, but you already, but then you take it from social media into the personal and then create those relationships with people. So for me, and it sounds like for you guys too, social media was just sort of like a cool layer on top of a skill that already existed. Mm -hmm. And for people that are younger, you know, maybe if you didn't have the skills to get to know people outside of social media, um, that might be more of a challenge. Uh, You know, you know, what's funny is, I don't know. That's I I actually didn't, I agree with you, but I almost use my social media as a filtering method. Oh yeah. Because, I can get... It's like a dating app. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, I am not shy about my political views. Yeah. I am not shy no, about what true. I want I in the world. I, and for my clients, too. Like, I think the people that end up with me, because I'm not shy yeah, about what I say... Exactly. We're like, already we, we shed a lot of the chaff true. by, like, oh, yeah. I, I want to be friends with that guy. Oh, wait. He's still for democracy? No, probably not. I guess not. Right, right. He thinks everybody should have human rights? Oh, I guess not. Like that's I'm I'm happy about that. Yes. And I I but I think that we're lucky at this age because it's a tool now. Like it it's not it's not the method to make relationships. And it's not the It's world. a tool in it. Exactly. Yeah. 
And like, I, it's weird because I, I, I wrestle, like I read a lot of these articles because I can't sympathize. I can only empathize because one of the very few ways that I can say I am incredibly wealthy is in the friendships and the relationships that I have. Like it is, it's wild that a really, really painfully shy kid growing up in South Minneapolis could have like the network that I do. And I have to be like, I have to be thankful for that. Cause right. I, I literally remember the moments where I finally like snapped out of my shell and it wasn't comfortable. It was literally a reaction to either I do this or I die. Yeah. Like, uh, like the world collapses on me and I just vanish or I just break out. And thankfully, like it kind of eventually balanced out. But I, I do have to say, like, it's it's got to be tough for people younger than us to try and figure out how to make that like that one on one connection. And one of the things that I really try to push is just to bring like honestly, like physical warmth whether it's a high five or a fist pound or a big hug, it's a reminder of no matter how we connect online. I mean, Charles and I met online. Like we eventually met in person, but the first time that we had talked was online. I'm really glad. I remember that. It was, we ended up in a couple of the same uh, food threads. On, yeah, just... uh, that was literally how I ended up being your Facebook friend so I could show up at the insight thing was I liked what you had said about like three or four straight dishes online. But it, that never would have metastasized into a friendship if I hadn't actually been able to meet you in person. And I think the farther we go, like, again, I'm one of those guys, like I bring it back to music all the time. Right now, like kids at dances in high school don't dance together. Mm. Like there's no, there's no grinding. There's no just Dang. like, there's no touching. There's no, no and hands and, on shoulders. Yep, and and I also don't think anybody's it, like. Is this a verifiable fact? Because I, I won't pretend to know anything about this. I'm not. Positive. I I am I am in this weird place where a lot of my friends' kids are either about to graduate high school or just graduated high school. Yeah, and okay. talking so to them, timid, literally like timid. talking to them. I'm I'm one of the coolest compliments that I've gotten is I am a uh, co-contributor on four of my friends' kids' uh, Spotify playlists. And we just trade music back and forth. Like we text a little bit, but a lot of, a lot more of it is us sending each other songs. And <clears throat> there's no, I hate to say it. There's no fuck jams right now. There's no, like, there's no, let's get together. It's just do a TikTok dance and move. And there's a weird metaphor to where people are at with like not connecting with people. And I feel like because for good or for bad, we we had the the gene on gene contact right. like we were we got used to like intimate interactions right yes. and now watching that extrapolate out a lot of the 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 newer friends that i have thanks to a lot of it is work but also like through our networks just meeting new people a lot of the people that i see that are 5 10 years younger than me it's really strange. Uh, I, I feel like I give a pretty good good hug, right? When somebody comes and gives me a hug, it's almost like they're surprised because they haven't had a good hug in a long time. And I'm like, I wonder, like, if that's a part of it. Like, I've been trying COVID. to, you know, right? I think it's it's a lot of stuff. I was going to say that too. I yeah. think the pandemic put 
It fucked a lot of things up. Yeah. It did. It There's did. Also, sometimes it's also you. I I'm a little more considerate of another person's like comfort and closeness. Hundred percent. Germs and I, time of year and stuff like that. Sure. So I don't grab my friends as tightly as I once did because I want to like. Are we? Are we? Are we? Do you? Okay. And then. Yes. Then we, sometimes it's just like, hey, how you doing? Being being <laughs> to be like that. Well, it but being a, be a like male that. and being my size, I literally, I can't go out and grab people because then I look like fucking, like Lenny from Of Mice and <laughs> Men. You know, like I, I have to, it has to be passive. Otherwise it is very, very aggressive. So, but, but the people that just want a hug, like, I, I just feel like there's a part of, everyone is lonely. Like not every single person, but like as a whole, all these articles are like, everyone is lonely. It's not because there's not people to connect with. It's because we don't know how to connect anymore. I, I know. And I know. that's one of the things that weirdly are like, quote unquote, old people knowledge yeah. is like helping. Like I'm reminding my friends, like, it's okay to just like talk to somebody. Just be like, hey, do you want to like go watch a movie and just sit next to each other? That is a, that's an intimate moment. It, it, you don't have to hold hands or do anything like two people sitting next to each other watching a sporting event last night i went to a timberwolves game it was so fun high-fiving everybody and like we won it was a very hard-fought game we won by two points i hugged like eight strangers it was awesome and then we all walked out and we talked the whole way out sure you know like i i just feel like we we kind of get caught up in since all of the sort of the cachet, all of our currency is digital right now. Mm -hmm. And so then everybody puts all of their chips in on that. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, a real relationship still has to happen between two people. And I don't know how, I, I don't know. Like there's a little bit of me that's trying to figure out like how to bridge that gap. Right. And maybe it's one hug at a time. I don't know. But I feel like, again, like going back to when we were talking at the top of the episode about the empathy that you write with when you're cooking, like mm -hmm. you're helping somebody create something with their hands that they're going to put inside of them. That is a relationship that every other podcast is trying to get rid of with like, hello fresh. They'll deliver everything to you and you just put it all in a pan yeah. and you go that, that I, I like the fact that somebody's going to cook the food, but Holy fuck, that's not cooking. Right. You know, like I I'm trying to figure out like what we can do to change that. For folks, you and know, for people to feel like connected to each other. Um, I don't know. There, I I read an article yesterday that basically <laughs> concluded that social media has been a huge experiment and failure in right. terms of its ability to contribute joy, mm -hmm. you know, to our yeah. to our culture. And I don't have it? that feeling, but I. But again, b I think it's because it's not the only way that I connect with people at, at, and there is, you know, that for me, it's, it's been really fun and it's been a way to get to know people. But I think that the answer to your question is, um, to do exactly what you're saying. You know, I, I talked to people, I used to horrify my son, you know, I knew everybody in the grocery store because mm -hmm. I grocery shop a lot, obviously, but I talk to people where, wherever I am and, um, and I think to be a person who's a gatherer, mm. you know, I've never, if you want to like supercharge meeting people, then 
be someone who creates an event. I, I love that. And I've done it by accident. Like the whole, you know, food blogger thing and, and whatever was absolutely nothing that I thought it was going to be and ended up being one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and it was really just a matter of inviting people to show up. That's and it. that I think being a gatherer is a really th- great way to know people. I think we all have that in common. Yeah. yeah. I've always yeah. throughout my life been the one who says everyone's meeting at this bar or the part, uh, there's right. a barbecue at my house and sure. jerk chicken for yes. everybody. It's always, always been my role yep. to the point that there was a period of my life where I felt like, I wasn't getting as much from my friends because they weren't giving that back uh, to they me. They won't, but, but you won't get that back from people. No, I've 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 reached like a, a level I've I've reached a sphere of knowledge where sure. I understand that uh, we created an expectation, some of my friends and I that yeah. I'm the one who brings the fun and they're the one who shows up Show and that's okay. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've got to the point in my life Beautiful. where I understand that that's our relationship yes. and it doesn't mean that there's any ill will intended. It's not. And I think that people feel like they can't reciprocate. Like, you know, that's I've had this conversation with Andrew Zimmer yep. and that nobody ever invites him over. And I used to invite him over because he and my ex-husband grew up together. Mm-hmm. So before he had a television show and whatever, he was just a part of our world and he would come over for dinner and he's just like, nobody fucking invites me over for dinner because they're afraid, Mm -hmm. you know, to cook for someone who cooks. And I know that I've had, um, you know, I've had people say that, Oh, when we come to dinner at your house, you know, it's really special. And obviously Mm -hmm. the thing that, you know, you Charles are creating for people, um, is way beyond the average and and super cool and people feel like they can't reciprocate in the same way so they just never invite you over um and that's caused me to actually really i love to throw a good dinner party and like make it a whole thing but i do try to do entertaining that's more like people coming over and bringing food to and mm-hmm. keeping it kind of simple sure. so that they don't feel like they can't create it's that needed. same thing in, in return. Because yeah. um, I think that's what ends up happening. But I also admittedly learned through therapy that I'm a control freak. And so that, if me too. If people, are like, <laughs> if people are like, let's all get together for dinner. I'm yeah. like, here's the, like, I put a sheet of paper on the f- table and they're like, how did you already make the plan? But right. I, I didn't really realize it was a pattern of mine to have to be in I didn't I don't have to be in control sure. it's, it's that I like to yeah and it feels and good so to know what the money is going to be yeah people like learned throughout years that fuck it just let Charles do it. he's gonna do it anyways <laughs> he's not gonna he's just gonna do it anyways so, right. just let him so I'm just gonna show up and I'll bring a really good bottle of wine yeah. it's actually funny that you say that though because I, maybe that's why this works for the show because doing the personality tests I always come through <laughs> I'm the reluctant leader I don't, I don't, I don't want to, like, I would love if somebody else wanted to do shit, <laughs> sure, but sure. the minute I see things going wrong, I'm like, oh, fine, fine I guess, Take like, here we go. I'll do it. Yeah. And like, I, I enjoy that. Like the reason that we throw the $400 barbecue, which you have to come to the next one. Totally. It'll be year 21, but <laughs> we, we throw a thing where you're not allowed to bring a dish. It's the anti-Minnesotan thing. Mm. You just have to come hungry. Which, if by you, the way, makes me very angry. I know it does. Every time I come, I'm like, but I can't. I know. That's it. That's it. You can always bring something that's already like frozen and just pop it in his freezer. (laughs) I'm working on it. it. Actually, every year it's gotten better where I'm like, this is fine. I can do this. It is nice. That's really what happened. I mean, honestly, when my mom died and, you know, everybody else took over, um, 
I had to make a really conscious decision. Well, one, because I can't, I need help. Mm-hmm. And to let it go. Yeah. And uh, to such a degree that, you know, we had this party at the Lynn Hall and Molly Herman, you know, planned the whole menu. And she's like, you know, do you want to see what I planned? And I just said, no. I mean, I don't care. Whatever. I trust you so mm-hmm. implicitly. Your taste is so amazing. You do this in your sleep. Um, normally, I would want to know. And it's kind of amazing to let it go. Yeah. That yeah. was great. And I had so much more fun because of it. And I, and the food was like a surprise. Oh, my God. This is amazing. This is amazing. Everything was really delightful. Um, it's good for us control freaks to, like, yeah, let it go. For sure. Yeah. Especially when you learn through therapy that control can be a trauma response. Uh-huh. So when you learn to counteract it. Absolutely. Like, oh, it, then it's then you know you're healing because you're saying, yeah, you guys can make Thanksgiving dinner. Absolutely. I'm sure the family was surprised. And I was like, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, we can? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll make a fucking pie. That's I love that you talk about therapy. So when did you decide to do that? And how long have you done it? We'd like to talk about therapy yeah. a lot on this a lot. show. Yeah. I'm about a year and a half in. Cool. Um, taking, yeah, therapeutizing myself not, not far from here. And it's been good and healthy. And I started, you know, doing basically full-blown, you know, this is another layer behind the curtain, but I started out doing full-blown like PTSD therapy. Love it. Um, weekly. And then we scaled back to, to once a uh, once every other week. Were um, you doing like EMDR or what kind of trauma therapy? Uh, oh boy, I guess I don't know the terminology okay. of exactly what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not well read enough on that. And she doesn't, she doesn't often use the specific terms of those things. Cause sure. um, my wife has mentioned similar things to me. Like, yep. is it this type of therapy? You would know EMDR just because it's eye movement therapy and oh, no. it, yeah. it would have mm-hmm. you look at a yeah. light bar and no, whatever. No, okay. No, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, she's, she's a little more holistic Cool. in her practice. So cool. So we do some, we've done, um, meditation therapies and things mm-hmm, like that that mm-hmm. are that were fairly new to me and last week with pip we were talking about mm-hmm. meditation and how important that is and trying to do more of it yes so yeah, about a year and a half and kwam has been doing it for a year maybe well more, yeah longer. like on on this round uh my shit started 19 20 somewhere in there mm-hmm. uh but um like on and off all along? Or yeah, on, a, on and off. All, well, part of it was I didn't have health insurance and it wasn't sure. affordable. Sure. Yes. So, uh, I, I went nine and a half years without health insurance. So you can imagine the amount of balls that I dropped in that span. Right. But um, I, I have a, a problem, and I think we talked about this on the show at least once. I have a problem um, in-person therapy because I flip into... I want to win the therapist over. Sure. Yeah. It's and it's really, it's, it's really hard. I, I like, it's one of the things, that, honestly, it's one of the things that I kind of hate the most about myself is I like when I'm at a grocery store, I'm at home Depot. It's charming when I'm the one who like makes the people working laugh and like, we're having a good time and sure. Hey, I'm, I'm literally just recognizing you as a human being. And I'm very clearly different from the people around because you shouldn't have reacted that well to just me saying your name and like saying something personal. <laughs> yes. But when I'm, when I'm in a therapist's office, it's really bad because I can't stop. And I catch myself 
changing the narrative to try and win them over because I want them to say that I'm right or that my trauma is justified or like whatever. God, that's probably so terribly common though. I, do I, I don't know it? if it is. Do you confess it to your therapist? Like, yeah. 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 Here's this That's thing that I don't step. like that I'm doing. But, right. That but, I'm, I can see myself tap dancing to like. But I haven't found a therapist you. that like knew what to do with that. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, that's where BetterHelp, the app, has come in. Yeah. Because I, I don't. on that spawn. I, yeah, right. I, I would love to have them as a spawn. <laughs> I don't know anything about my therapist except her name. Mm. I don't know where she lives i don't know where she exists i i shouldn't even say she i should say they i don't know where they live i don't know where they exist i don't know anything about them so you don't know their name i know i know their name that's it okay that's the only thing i know and i don't want to know anything else yeah yeah. because that's the only thing that can ground me enough to 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 be honest Because I I can't I can't win you over if I don't know anything about you if we're not yeah, in the same room right like I I just our entire shit is based around I reach out when things aren't going right for me this is fascinating and we go back and forth mm-hmm. sure the distance can be helpful it's yeah. it I I have to my therapist is a friend of a friend and I didn't know that yeah I you know. saw her at a barbecue yeah. Oh, really? But 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 that's I think another. This was that's why it feels familiar. This was an off my conversation with Dessa. More evidence, we talked about this. More evidence of my progress is that I think I was super chill about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nope. I told my wife that's actually my therapist over there because yeah. I thought that was I don't know if that is normal or not normal to do because yeah. those are things that I, I don't really understand the etiquette of like life as well when it comes to those types of things. Or but, just yeah. in general. And of course, you know, I said, yeah, or just things in general. But I, you know, I did say hi to her and stuff. Like, she's a human and so am I. Yep. Like, hey, yes. she's in this yard with, like, me and, and that's, one of my closest Oh, students. my God, that's And that's, I, I couldn't okay. deal with yes. that. I would immediately yeah. have to be yeah. like, hey, okay. let me introduce you to all these people. Like, so, I, I can't, that's, it's a, it's like a neuroses that I can't get rid of. It's a part of what makes me able to make connections with people. Right. But I, I literally don't know how to turn it yeah, off. No, I got you. Well, I love that you see the positive sides of it. You know, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, a lot I of times to. we're like, Oh my God, you know, I see myself, you know, tap dancing in this mm-hmm. relationship and putting forth a part of myself. That's maybe not even totally authentic. And I don't really want to show up this way all the time, but it's also such a plus. I mean, that's the part of you that is, you know, person that makes friends really that's fast the toughest that's the toughest thing together and creates communities and yeah everything that makes me who i love mm-hmm. is everything that makes me who i hate that is and the truth that right will there. be what i wrestle with for the rest of my life all of us <laughs> you know that's it. it just depends on who it's for exactly right exactly. right so steph what is this something that you are vocal about is it something that you oh yeah to discuss at all is i it, mean i love i've done therapy for my whole life because you know my as I said my mom had a lot of mental health challenges and addiction challenges and um you know obviously that puts a huge impact on uh you know on someone's childhood and I have loved sort of diving into those childhood patterns you know definitely informs my work now those behavioral patterns that um, there's such good survival mechanisms, you know, in the moment as a kid. And they do create positive personality traits as adults Mm -hmm. too, but they also really get in the way. 
in, in terms of intimacy and, you know, having um, a good relationship with your emotions, you know, to that book. And so I've had lots of different forms of therapy and I've gotten a lot out of all of them. But I would say that, uh, you know, the <laughs> I learned about what trauma therapy was through the autoimmune community. So this wow. is so interesting, but probably around 2013, I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yeah. Which is a very powerful That's book. One of my mom's favorite books. I should have added that to my list yeah, as well. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, there it is, adding Sorry. it later. And it's it's an incredible book, um, you know, just in terms of understanding the connection for me it, it, in a lot of ways. But for me, it was about understanding, you know, the connection between um, childhood traumatic experiences and autoimmunity. And so that book outlines, you know, what they call ACEs, that's the acronym, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and the list is, you know, things like divorce, and, you know, the death of a parent, and, uh, you know, abandonment, and, you know, it gets into very serious things like, you know, sexual abuse, and all sorts of things, but... I forget how many there are, but if you have, you know, like four or more or something like that, then your likelihood of having an autoimmune disease, um, you know, jumps up to like a hundred percent kind of a thing. And I remember where I was sitting when I read that book. So I used to live in Zoe Francois's house, um, who I'm sure you guys know. And she has a, a really cool old house in uh, Lowry Hill, and the top floor of that house was like the home's ballroom back in the day. And I was sitting up there in my very cool apartment reading that book, and I just had one of those experiences where I knew that I was learning something that was going to change my life. So that was really powerful. And that got me to uh, look into trauma therapy in particular. And and I did find EMDR, and I'm not going to remember what the acronym stands for. It's eye movement, I think desensitization, mm. I don't remember what the R is for. Yeah. But the basic idea of it, it was developed for, you know, VATS with PTSD. Yep. Yep. And you go, th- it, it's sort of a talk therapy plus this eye movement combo. And you conjure, you know, uh, particular, you know, memories that are causing you a lot of, um, that are very triggering. And they're probably memories and situations that you recognize are showing up in a pattern in, you know, your current life, particularly. Mm. It's always in romantic relationships that it really shows up. And so, but also in a relationship with like your children or your parents or siblings or whatever, close relationships. So you conjure a memory and then uh, once you've got it, then you look at a light bar and this light moves back and forth and you track it with your eyes. And the idea is that you're replicating REM sleep because in the REM sleep pattern, that's the part of your sleep where you are taking experiences from the day and you're categorizing them into your mind in a way that's really healthy. You know, you're like 
Naturally unpacking. Right. Naturally unpacking, naturally creating connections to, oh, I had this experience. It's going to inform a future decision. You know, you're like learning and creating meaning out of it and whatever. And the, the thing about trauma is that you don't create meaning in the moment. It is the, it is so powerful. It's so upsetting. It's so shocking that it, your brain just sort of like puts it away um, and can't process it. You almost disassociate any meaning. Exactly. You eliminate all meaning. You put it in a box with no. Right. And shut it away. Yep. You just because tape it up. No words. Just, yep. It's too big yep. to create meaning from. Right. And so what you're doing with this particular therapy, and there are other therapies that kind of work in the same way, you're accessing, you know, that traumatic experience with a professional. You, part of the, you know, before you conjure the memory, you're, um, working on creating a safe space and kind of a safe idea so that if it becomes really upsetting, you can return to this, this safe place. But then as you conjure it, um, you look at this light bar and you, you look back and forth and you're basically forcing your brain to do what it should have done um, and to process it and put it away and categorize it. And it's incredibly powerful. You feel very different afterward. I mean, and then you you kind of free associate from that point and like another memory might come up that's sort of like not that powerful and weird but it's it's neurologically wired to that memory so it might be about a stuffed animal or a cookie you know like something that doesn't seem traumatic but it's in the same place as that and you that memory comes up you do the same thing and you just kind of like walk down this path of free association and when something is upsetting, you know, you you look at this light bar. You can do it with tapping, too. Like, you can mm-hmm. – there's something about the symmetry of, of back and forth um, that works. And so that was incredibly powerful and helpful for me. And, uh, and I've recommended it to other people and clients, and that's been cool. And lately I've been working with a program – it's a little bit woo, but it's really amazing, and it's called To Be Magnetic. It's a uh, great podcast. It's got a metaphysical aspect to it. Lots of talk about, you know, the universe and manifestation and, and that kind of thing. But in this program, which is almost like a steal financially, it's like 25 bucks a month or something, and they have within it what they call deep imaginings but they're basically kind of self-hypnosis and several of them are based on emdr and Mm. that is what i've been working with lately and that has been an absolute game changer for me because you can do it on your own and and it works for me i think because i've had this you know these other experiences with amazing therapists and an incredible business coach that basically everyone we know in the restaurant community has worked with he's amazing um and he was a real life changer for me. And then now working with this program. So yeah, big fan of therapy. And I'm a big fan of like, you know, of trauma therapy. I mean, that's been, that particular modality has been really important and very healing. Yeah, it's a fairly new world to me. So I haven't had... that type of specialist. Sure. No, I'm so it, glad that you found it though, it, because it's going to change your life. But it's I got to tell you, it, like even you describing it made me kind of mm-hmm. tense. Yeah. The idea, the specter of that. Yeah, it is. is I mean, it's, it's it's tough. I mean, 
it's a lot of work to, um, to revisit, you know, these moments. The thing that occurred to me was I knew I was going through some experiences in my life that shouldn't have been so hard for me, but I was having like this giant struggle and emotional reaction to, and it really made me aware that I've got, you know, two brains, you know, I've got my conscious brain, all the logic, all the study, all the whatever, I can journal it to death and, and understand it. And I have clearly got a part of my brain that has a a totally different idea of where this is going to go. And that is the cool thing about EMDR and about this to be magnetic program. I want to get into my fucking subconscious and change these old patterns because I don't want to just have to consciously beat it into myself over and over again. Mm. I want to change my subconscious slash unconscious brain. And that's what these things do. It's it's wild because everything that you just said mm-hmm. is exactly, Charles, what I've been telling you about my journey for the last like three and a half, four years with Silas Ivan. That's what I've oh, been doing. For, right. So right. it's just been yes. like, it's been more of a self-guided tour, but it's me every like allegedly Alleged. every month or two uh, giving myself a, what they call a heroic dose. Sure. But I, I write Sometimes out accidentally. Well, yeah. <laughs> I haven't given myself a heroic dose accidentally, but I've given myself. <laughs> woof, yeah. We talked about that. A woof dose. Well, yeah. I gave myself a woof dose accidentally. That's a whole nother story. That's another, that's another episode. But um, no, but what, what I do is I, I write out something that I have not given myself either the grace to think about or the time to actually like meditate on. I write the whole thing out so it's fresh in my brain and then I go down that hole and I play music that to me is very comforting Mm -hmm. and I keep reading it over and over until, I don't know if this is the same for all of our readers, but allegedly uh, I don't read super well once everything kicks in. It's very hard for me to discern words. Everything starts to just slither away. Yeah. I just keep reading it over and over until I can't read it anymore. And then I lean back and that's what I just, I sit and meditate on. Yeah. And it is, it, it takes my ego out of everything. Yeah. And it's completely changed the way that I interact with my own psyche and things that a year ago, two years ago, for sure, five years ago would have completely derailed me are now becoming things that I can like interact with and deal with. Right. The only thing is that because I've become okay with that, because I've taken my ego out of it, it's made things that should hurt more hurt less. And now it feels like I'm not reacting to them in the same way. Mm. And I'm trying to find that balance yeah. a little bit where it's almost like I've, I've let go a little too much, Sure, right. but I think the whole thing, it has to be, it's like, this is just a little chunk of the journey. So I got to keep going until I figure it out. Totally. But it's it's fascinating once you start really interacting in a healthy way right. with your trauma. It's really weird how many other things were tied to it. Everything's like, tied to everything, it. Everything, 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 good and bad. Circuitous, yeah. Circuitous. And it, like it's that that shit. That's what I like. I always thought like I had compartmentalized everything away. Little Rubik's cues everywhere. 
that had nothing to do with each other. Nope, they're all good. Well, I think men think that more than women do. Maybe. Like, men are, I think... I, you know, just I just think it was just me. I didn't even. No, I think men. I, think I figured I, it all out. I'm good to go. I'm a l- very jealous of the car- compartmentalization skill because I don't have it. And I think that's, you know, kind of female to a certain degree. Like men, mm-hmm. men's brains, men are better at, at sort of like compartmentalizing. Yeah, but Stephanie, all we're us. doing is creating time bombs. Well, I, I'm, yeah. I think there's, <laughs> you're I think just, there's you're creating little jars of nitroglycerin right. that with the smallest worth. jostle right. will yeah. explode everywhere. Probably something's worth compartmentalizing, yeah. but we take very big things and say, it's fine. Yep. That, oh, a little yep. coffee in the yep. room, For drinking a cup sure. of coffee in the middle yep. of a fire. It can, it's fine. It can be overplayed. I, w- I would no. like to borrow just like a little bit of it because I just don't have it. My brain sure. is so integrated and Hey, and we'd like to give a little away. Right. So Fact. <laughs> we can trade. <laughs> well, I, shall we? We have to because oh, yeah, we got this is my favorite part of the episode. Well, and right. I, I, I'm going to take my little sip. Is there a little something of Absolutely, whichever there. you prefer. Which would, you, which would you prefer? I'll go back to a little Paranone. Okay. I just need, just so I can have a couple sips. Thank you. So I can be true to this. That's great. Thank you very much. We're, we're having fun. We're having fun. This Sorry is for the so dead air. Fun. We're pouring a bottle. Uh, okay, so we got to queue up this next part. This is actually. Uh, I'm good. This is actually a first for our humble <coughs> podcast. You know, we got past 100 episodes. It was time to think of some new strategies for topics. Strategy. So we have our first ever guest topic. Well, it's no secret that Steph Meyer or Tall Stephanie. And I tend to get remarkably and randomly um, misidentified uh, as each other. But I want to know who each one of you would be happy to be misidentified as and would maybe even potentially take ownership of that persona, even though it's not yours, for dastardly deeds or other fun things? Question mark. Oh my God, I love that woman so much. Stephanie March, obviously. For <laughs> anyone who may not, former two-time former guest of the podcast. Can, can, she is. Can we? Pod. Can we let her? She sent us two. Can we let her know what the other question was? No, yes. let's just dig uh, it. All right, we all right. Gotta, our runtime is long. It's about. Right. It was about farts. We'll just say that. <laughs> it was about sure farts. Was. Nope. I mean, anyway. Oh, cheers. Yes, yeah. cheers. Oh yeah, cheers. Cheers, Steph March. Cheers, March. Aww. Farts, March. <laughs> She indulges my love of fart jokes. Duh. So how do you feel about that? Who, uh, would, you, who would you like to be mistaken for, for dastardly deeds or otherwise? I mean, Steph March. Steph March. <laughs> I, I, well, she said okay. it. I was like, she already answered the question. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to be mistaken for Steph March? Eat shit, Twilight author. It is. Uh, Fuck you. Oh, my God. She's. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on, on her religion are, or whatever. Yeah. I almost I've almost said something bad. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, Steph March. I mean, she it's it's an honor to be confused for her. I do have one very funny story Get about it. when we were uh, confused for each other. So I wrote a book called Twin Cities Chef's Table almost. It was n- nine years ago. So it's I'm going to have a very cool party in next year. Let's go. I wrote about like, you know, the 50 whatever restaurants at the time. 
which I was approached to write that book by a publisher who had been doing that book in all sorts of other cities around the country. Um, and it was amazing to do. It was really fun. I photographed it and wrote it and kind of almost killed myself doing both of those things. But anyway, it got published. It was great. And, um, I was taking photos of Ann Kim, who at the time only had Pizzeria Lola. Mm -hmm. And so she was, you know, like putting pizzas in the pizza oven. So I'm kind of standing like by the restrooms. If you can imagine, I had my camera on a tripod, you know, aimed toward the pizza oven and I could see her putting pizza in. And we were doing it in the afternoon. And this uh, woman who was probably like, you know, in her 70s or 80s came up to me and she said, um, are you Stephanie March? And I said, actually, no, <laughs> uh, I'm Stephanie Meyer. Um, but, you know, Stephanie Marsh is a friend of mine. And she said, oh, that's too bad. And I started oh. laughing. I'm like, oh, my God. And Anne's just like, what? Too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. And she just, like, walked away. And that was and it. Like, and that was it. And so I later, because that was back in the day when, wow. you know, like, actually put things on Facebook. So I put it on Facebook. And I said, you know, this just happened today. And this woman said this to me. And, you know, are you Stephanie March? Oh, that's too bad. And then Stephanie March uh, wrote a comment and she said, but did you do a high kick over her head and say, could Stephanie March do this? And so that's been our joke. So, yes. (laughs) Could Stephanie March do this? Could Stephanie March do this? And her hat went flying. (laughs) (laughs) Weirdly, I actually feel like Stephanie March could somehow do a kick over anybody's head. I was like, if next she shouldn't lead up in the air right? and kicked yes. over somebody, it would not surprise me. Okay. I was standing next to her at a cocktail you. party. I'm talking to someone else. She's talking with someone and someone asked her, how tall are you? And she said, I'm five one, but I project six two facts. And yeah. that's it. Facts. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. So how um, about you guys? What do you got? Quam? Well, I didn't. It doesn't I didn't have to be a specific. Human no, I didn't. Being. I didn't pick who I would want to be mistaken for. I you actually guys thought all want to be mistaken for Stephanie March. One hundred percent. If I could pick a human being, all right. yes. Play the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> the one where we're all March. Uh, no, for the. It actually happened in a wildly different time. The weirdest moment in my life, uh, in nineteen ninety nine. I was backstage in Europe with the Bloodhound Gang who were on a world tour for the song called The Bad Touch, which the chorus was, uh, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Oh, my God, that song. I can't tell you. I saw those motherfuckers. It's a very long, it's a great, it's one of my favorite stories of all time. For me to go from standing outside trying to get into the show to being backstage with them, we don't have to go through all that for this. But at the time, uh, I had the infamous chin strap, but uh, I had like frosted tips that were uh, nice. pushing forward, sort of in I the. I like how you're saying it like one made the other not so bad. No, they but they were they were all terrible. <laughs> But instead of instead of being the, the spiky up, it was the George Clooney Caesar cut. 
Oh, where everything was kind of pushed forward. It's kind of it's weird that it's coming back. It is. Really? There's like everybody's wearing their hair. Yeah, like like oh. boys with teeny yeah. bangs, boys with baby bangs. Oh, it was a, it was a weird thing. Boys with baby bangs. And bangs. and I was I was much much thinner, partly because I was younger, partly because I was very broke and I couldn't afford food, and I was hanging out with who ostensibly in Europe were celebrities. And this was really like internet was a thing, but you had to go to the internet cafes, right? So everything just happened through like MTV or cable. That's it. And these, so we're on the bus after the show and we're all drinking and these girls come on who are pretty intoxicated and they were saying hi to everybody and they were asking everybody's names and evil Jared, who is the bass player for the bloodhound gang introduced me as Ben Affleck. <laughs> and if if any of you have ever looked at a picture of me, I don't even yeah. kind of look like Ben Affleck. Back then. It's story and it's so hilarious. Yep. Definitely did not look like Ben Affleck. But I. I you white, you Ben Affleck. I, I took a bunch of pictures <laughs> with him. I signed. In, I signed. I signed a bunch of autographs. Like on their boobs? Uh, I signed two forearms. Okay. And I signed three Bloodhound Gang albums where the, the entire band all signed it. And then they were like, and you too. And then I like I just made up a signature for Ben Affleck. And it was the weirdest fucking night ever. And eventually. Role models. What's that? Role models. You white, you Ben Affleck. Yep. Facts, I guess. It was it was so strange. And the band thought it was as funny as I did yeah. because we literally were like, because you couldn't pull up a picture at the time. You couldn't be like, oh, that's not Ben Affleck. Right. They literally just said, oh, they're a famous band. Of course, Ben Affleck is sure, on the, sure. because they're, they're all American. Besties. We're in Europe. Yeah. Sure. Why wouldn't? Oh my God. Mind you, I'm wearing a t-shirt from the band that they had all signed. And for some reason that just, that just worked. So to this day, it still cracks me up that there's like four girls somewhere that are like here's a picture with me and ben affleck <laughs> and it's just me like hanging out with my arm around him but it's so weird like while we're having this conversation Whoa. you look like ben affleck <laughs> <laughs> because i'm just because the life has just been really really rough on my shoulders Those are the best I, photos. i'm just gonna go outside have a cigarette <laughs> Those are the best photos. It looks like such a <laughs> Would someone like 10 years later post a photo and they say, I can't believe I thought this motherfucker was Michael Jackson? Right. <laughs> it's just some guy. I keep, I, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I got on Reddit, I Googled with Ben Affleck, but not Ben Affleck, <laughs> just, just to, to see if, if somebody there? had posted the oh photo. My God, that's the best the, like, Google ever. So oh way back in the day when like GeoCities was a thing, yes. uh, they had a, they had a blog and they wrote an entire story, and the entire story on their blog the next day, I was only called Ben Affleck. So they were like, yeah, Ben Affleck was there. It was super fucking rad. We drank a bunch of whiskey. He came oh on the God. bus. We partied. We drank. We took a bunch of pictures together. Da, da, da. Like, if you, if you, if one of those girls were like, that can't be Ben Affleck, and then they went on the GeoCities for Blood Hunking, yeah. they were like, it was Ben Affleck because that was my name on it. Two guys signed. Yes, yeah. You have that in my head. Two two guys signed my my Bloodhound Gang T shirt. Ben Affleck, you're my favorite actor. I'm so glad we got to hang out. Like that was that was it. We sold it so hard for one night. 
and You're that's my favorite actor, even though I have no idea what the fuck you look like. Oh my it's god, it's the best. <laughs> it's literally the fucking best. Like it was such a weird, fun night, and then they were like, "Dude, we're if you want to just stay on the bus, like we're gonna keep going." And I'm like, "I don't know how I would get home." I'm bye, guys. Bounced. And then the party bus just rolled on, and it is what it is. And it is. So is but that your answer? Is that, that that's it? See? Like that's I, it. I can't imagine anybody that I could pretend to be that would be better than an entire night in Oslo, Norway, where I was Ben Affleck for that's a night. Amazing. And signed autographs, took pictures. We drank literally like six cases of Heineken on the bus. It was wild, like absolutely insane. And then at five in the morning. Uh, they helped me. I there wasn't like Uber back then. Was so, it cold outside? I picture you just standing cold. Yeah, it was like the end of November. Oh my god! And then they helped me call a cab because there's no way to get that. Right. Some I don't even know who actually brought me home. I didn't have to pay for the ride. Like I and then I got back out of my apartment, walked up, passed out. Three hours later, got back up and I went to class the next day. Wow! Like it was it was insane. But there's very few people that share the same size and stature of me. So that's probably the only chance I'll ever get to be mistaken for somebody else. So I'm going to go with that one. That's excellent. Chaz like jazz. Hilarious. Well, I don't look like fucking anybody. That's for sure. I mean, aside from wooly willy, if you move all of the iron shavings to the bottom of the picture, people asked him if he was, uh, they were like, congratulations. He was like, why? And he's like, you people were like, your brother is getting married. (laughs) Like, I know all these people. Why they think there's somebody with you as my brother? I think it might have been, like, family members that I don't know very well from, like, Marty's side of the family or something. But he told me, he's like, bro, like, multiple people came up and said, like, congrats, your brother got married. I'm like, did they think you were JP? You, don't look, you look more like me than my brother. That's fair. I love it when really family like a, members do it. It's like, we are related. Yeah. Like, what? Plus, I like to point out that he stole my look, not the other way Fact. around. Ah. Um, legit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this another way, and we're running long anyway, so I'm not going to belabor the subject, but I wish I could be mistaken for, like, a wealthy diplomat from a country that has no human rights offenses and then just be allowed to travel freely through the world. Like, give me an EU passport or something. Right. Can, can, we think of a, can we think of a country that would give you that much wealth that uh, doesn't have... No, it's not about the wealth. It's okay. about being able to travel freely. Sure. How about um, Peru? Micro Duncanesia. Argentinian? I think you got to just make up a country. Make, oh, even better. Yep. Okay, even better. Awadistan. I'll have that hologram passport yep. that looks like an old trapper keeper. Yep. Right. I'll say, it gets, this gets me in every country. See? I'm me. in it. So I don't, I mean, if they're going to give me free money too, I'll take that shit. But I'm saying, if I can travel freely. I've seen you in the, in the cocaine glasses and it works. So I'm saying, I'll walk to the airport yep. with the Coke dealer glasses and this beard and just like act like you've been there. Is that oh my god, Charles, we've we've already figured it out. Yeah, Stephanie. Yeah, pick a great like smart pantsuit. Mm. I will put an earpiece in, and I yes. will do a high arm cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half like doing security. And if if the three of us walk through the airport, no one will stop us anywhere. You can grab a Dunkin' cup and and look like real like. You have to poop, and they mm-hmm. think you're Ben Affleck again. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just going to go outside and have a really sad cigarette. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, but no, for real. Zachy if, if the three of us, if the three of us model. threw down, yeah, if the three it. of us threw down and they we walked through the, anywhere, move the stanchions. Nope. I want to do this. If the three of us went to Vegas and we walked up to any club, yes. they would look. If you were just like maybe like one step, or maybe the two of you were one step in front of me. And then I was just arms crossed behind you guys. And we walked up. They'd be like, oh, right this oh, way. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to walk up to a blackjack table and say, are you sure you want to take this bet to my friend to the dealer? And then the best part would be, no, and then the best part would be, then Stephanie sits down. It's not even you. She sits down and then they're like, what is even going on? And then we both just stand over here and stare everyone else down in the eyes. Yeah, Like just. I'm telling you, this has to be a thing. I love this All so right. much. Like, there has to be a lot of cleavage, and you have to, like, offer to kiss people's dice. Yes. That's totally the Totally. Move. Absolutely. Right. I'm but, in. But one random guy that movie. tries to kiss your dice movie. or looks at your feet, I grab him by the collar <laughs> and just throw him. Right. Just throw oh him. Her eyes are up here. Yep. 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 <laughs> nope. You're gone. You You're weren't done. even close. Nope. It wasn't even close. I was just going to say something nice about her shoes. Not today, motherfucker. You shut up. You sit down and you be quiet. I work for Balenciaga. <laughs> I design shoes. Oh, God. Not right. today. Oh, God. On that so note. On that his hat went flying. All right. <laughs> So while we figure out keeps giving. While, <laughs> while we figure out our best dress clothes to crash Vegas in. Oh my god. Uh, Stephanie, how do people find you? How do they follow what you're doing? How can they hear more about uh, like what you're doing with coaching and 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 cooking and blogging? And everything. I'll and all just keep things. it simple and say Instagram, uh, which is Stephanie A N I E. Uh, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dot A dot Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. I have links to everything there. That's a good place. Hit that link tree. Yep. Um, and through that, like, what what can they find? Like, what are the different they things find, that you offer? So I do a weekly newsletter, which is uh, kind of like little assignments, Little thought assignments, little health assignments. Um, I'm just getting rolling with that, and that's super fun. And uh, and all my coaching offers are there. Oh, my God, everything's there. You can cool. buy cookbooks there. You can sign up for lots of free shit there. Um, you can get to my recipe blog, which is called Fresh Tart, uh, and no longer called The Moderate Epicurean. <laughs> um, and uh, everything. You can get to everything there. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Uh, Charles, anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, just picture you just got out of my car and I yelled, give me five stars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hey, fuck that guy that gave us, uh, a not great review uh, on Spotify. That's hey, they give you five stars. You should, you're use not doing good work. If nobody trashes Facts. it. Facts. Yeah. It and like that, well, the other thing is that people are more prone to leave negative reviews and positive reviews. So sh we should be thankful that we, um, we have Correct. such a high rating and yeah, just that if you, you inspire people to say, yay. Yeah, and if you, rock. if you are one of those listeners that listens to your completionist and you listen to this much of the episode, you're the people we're talking to. Please just drop us a review. You don't even have to write anything. Just click that star. The, f the fifth one, the fifth one over to the right, <laughs> <laughs> the fifth one over to the right. Would also throw out, uh, <laughs> like if you're listening on Spotify, it's crazy. Uh, we just got Spotify wrapped, which 
informed me of my hilarious and only slightly embarrassing musical choices for the year, but also gave us a lot of data on the podcast. We've had a ton of growth on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, thank you. It's been an amazing year for us. And tag us if we're on your list. Cause we've seen that like we, pe- we have people in the thousands yeah. that were in their top 10. Yeah. And then, you know, you go down from there for people in the top five and number one, but we have a lot of people with number ones too. So yep. if you tag us on IG, we'll probably repost it. If we see it, we holler at us, see it. please do. And then on top of all that, we got some really, really cool shit coming Always. videos. Like, oh my God, we have, like, I've just been nerding out with uh, the rough cuts of some of the videos. We have some amazing guests coming up. I have have our guest for, I believe, next week. Next week, week? yep. Called me today to tell me how excited he was. I'm, oh my God, I'm so excited to have him on. Yeah. This is going to be rad. So, uh, again, thank you everybody else out there for listening. You guys are all amazing, and we can't wait to uh, give you more content. So until then, cheers. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you.